Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport Series 15, Episode 10. It's March the 11th, a big night of European soccer tonight, so I'm sure a lot of you will be listening in on the podcast just after 8 o'clock here in the UK, just after 4 o'clock on the East Coast because your clocks have sprung forward. So for a couple of weeks we're going to have a slightly different time differential only four hours difference between East Coast and Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, up in London, our executive producer, very close to Greenwich, actually. Is I'm Tim literally Gre- in Greenwich. Uh, literally in Greenwich. Well, you can't get much closer to Greenwich than that. In the Royal London Borough of Greenwich. Well, there we go, as I said. Uh, but uh, still a distance from the Meridian Line. What, a few minutes one side or the other? Yes, I'm uh, ahead of it. Excellent. Um, Is I that why we, should, we played the jingle 30 seconds early? It wasn't 30 seconds early here. Okay. Uh, I believe that um, Alex Brundle lives on the other side of the line, ah. but much closer to it. Uh, on a packed programme tonight? Uh, we have all the usual features, Ooh. including some that we haven't had for a while, uh, because we've got news in Spanish, and Hurrah. we have a pointless press release of the week. Excellent. Uh, and we'll be joined by Shay Adam and Nick Damon and Declan Brennan. And Ben Hustle-Jewis as well, of course, because uh, there's a rally this weekend. So there is. Uh, we'll uh, speak to Ben later on as well. Quite a lot to fit in tonight. Uh, what we won't be doing, though, what? is uh, previewing Formula 1, because we did that yesterday. That was very good. And previewing IndyCar, because we did that yesterday. Open Wheel Tuesday. It was. Uh, if you missed those programmes, they are available to download. And we will be playing them either side of On The Grid tomorrow. We'll have Crazy along uh, at some stage this evening to tell us what is On The Grid tomorrow at 9 o'clock. But 8 o'clock... I already bit... know. Do you? Mm. Okay. Uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow will be IndyCar, 9 o'clock On The Grid, and then at 10 o'clock UK time... Uh, it will be Formula One replay. That's if you can't download them or you're looking for something uh, to do. They're both on at, uh, well, it starts from 10.50 tonight as, as well. Uh, uh, the but what's in between 10 and yes. 10.50, John? A brand new show, a brand new inside. You will want to stay tuned after Midweek Motorsport this Wednesday evening. If you're listening live, do not move. Turn your speakers up because there is... A little treat for you as we go inside Bentley Motorsport, uh, recorded last week uh, before the show uh, as part of our trip up to Crewe. 
However, you will want to listen to that right from the very beginning. It's really worth listening to. The whole show's good. Spells out uh, where Bentley are, as well as some of their history. Uh, that's coming straight after the show tonight. Uh, let's run through the parish notices. Uh, Jonathan Ezor working from home, uh, but AFA as someone has scheduled a call for showtime. Note that he always works from home, he says, for once I'm ahead of the trend. Excellent. Uh, Jatinda and the Dalywell family, uh, well, the kids are performing at the Bedford Speech and Drama Festival. Oh, love. Project. Uh, break a leg, all involved. Uh, hello to Sarah Rigby, tuned in, standing by, and will be listening into Bentley, I'm sure, as well. Whereas Bentley GT fan said, I'll be on my way home from London. Can I catch up later? Yes, you can. Uh, I'm currently applying for a renewal of my British passport from New Zealand. Sad about the motorsport. No, I really do. It'll be, it'll be good. New Zealand passports are fine. Uh, sad about the motorsport. Only if you're from New Zealand, though. Well, yeah. Yep. Uh, sad about the motorsport season so far with the virus, but safety comes first. Hope it slows down soon, says uh, Chris Tipper. Uh, Kevin Payne listening live again tonight. He's delighted about that. Brody says, no AFAs. I own enough clothes to last a trip across the pond to uh, Sebring next week. Uh, AFA from Josh Kolbach, who's stuck working a double, but that means more income and maybe a trip to Petit at the end of the season. Hashtag a boy can dream. Be a good one to go to, Josh. Uh, Chris Matthias listening live before my shopping trolley hauling work shift late this afternoon. Would love to travel to Super Sebring for spring break one year. Planning uh, to do that at some stage. Chris, it's worth the trip. It really is. Uh, hello to Carol Brink, one of many who've said the pesky time change forcing her to wait an extra hour. Carol, it's your time change. Nobody else changes. It's only you lot. Uh, hello to the crotch They're not belt. waiting an extra hour. They're waiting an hour less. No, they're waiting an extra hour. It's four o'clock in the afternoon instead of three o'clock in the afternoon that we start. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're an hour closer to us. Correct. We can't get any closer, though, in case we spread the virus. Uh, The Crotch Belt says, tuning in live, at your disposal, ready to do your bidding, my lord. Excellent. Kevin Glass, AFA, saving the podcast for the flight to Sebring. I'll be scrutineering for the WEC race. Uh, no cellular reception through the Canadian Rocky Mountains, so safe travels, everyone. Hello, Kevin, listening in whenever. Uh, Patrick Dron, listening in tonight. David Riley, AFA, stuck in work. A podcast for the plane to Florida on Friday. Don't forget all of our preview shows and on the grid as well. Now, Richard Price, this is quality. He's uh, says he'll be listening somewhere live in North Carolina. Um, on an 870 mile trip or trip into sorry 870 mile into the rockets and race car road trip Toronto to Sebring via Kennedy Space Centre for the SpaceX launch responsible adult currently at the wheel enjoying the sunshine and he did take uh, Shea's Highway earlier on uh, I went today. Uh, to Kennedy Space Centre on my uh, way to Daytona one year um, because there was a launch scheduled and uh, then they cancelled it because of bad weather. Dead Squirrel says AFA has to be part of a mass test of work VPN. Uh, and seeing what options we have if Long Beach were to be cancelled, I very much doubt that. Very much doubt it. Right Turn Lover, 
Hello. Tom Symes listening whilst fighting removed suspension bushes from MX5 suspension arms. I want some pictures of that. Uh, Tom, excellent stuff. Is it an NA or what version? What version is it? Uh, watching the Liverpool game behind the sofa, says John McCarthy, but listening to you. Have a great show. Daniel Summerskill, listening live. When are MotoGP going to consider cancelling races then rather just postponing them? Eight races in ten weeks sounds a bit much to me. Uh, we'll have some MotoGP news, uh, including their date change at quarter later on. Randy Brown not listening live. Uh, off today, but busy with errands because I haven't had much time for myself. Can't wait for the podcast for my commute. Randy, excellent stuff. No problem. Uh, Rob Chalmers, hello. Uh, hello to Chris Suku and Rob Jana was at Silverstone today. I wish I'd been there. Right Turn Lover and Stephen Lloyd just finishing a manufacturer's race on GT Sport and I'm all ears. The Angry Pothole. Chris Ring listening from a windy uh, Cornwall Jules Outerbridge finishing work early enough to listen uh, as is Phil. Chris Coughlin just made it. Elif Filipponi all listening in live tonight. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And our top story with... uh, Sorry, Tim, go ahead. I said you timed that to perfection. Of course I did. I was listening. Mm. And counting in my head. Yes. Top story tonight. Did you have to shuffle papers much or... Uh, There's a lot of shuffling going on, yes. Right, okay. Uh, uh, Let's first of all introduce Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick Damon again. Good evening again, Tim Gray. Uh, we didn't do that in the traditional way. Is our first story Formula One tonight? Our first story is Formula One. Hooray! Thud. Exactly. <laughs> if you were listening to our Formula One preview last night... Everybody was. If they weren't, then this is going to be a massive spoiler. You'll remember that uh, when we got to Renault, which is towards the end of the show, so John would have been asleep for that bit, uh, we mentioned... I listened to it again today. We mentioned that they were just called Renault Formula One. No other bits. And yet this morning I wake up and find that they're no longer called Renault Formula One. No, they're called Dubai World or something. DP World. DP World, which is slightly worrying if if you know what those initials can stand for. Uh, DP World. Data on a prototype, it stands for, doesn't it? Oh, right, because normally I think it'd be a website be banned in in Dubai, to be honest. Um, But uh, it's, yeah, I mean, they've they've gone out and got some cash, and Cyril Bidibul has said it makes, because they've got a title sponsor, it makes it more likely they'll stay in F1 next year because it's less of a drain on on their resources, though just as much a drain on their reputation as they continue to be poor. Certainly uh, makes his job more secure. It does. Well, I don't know if he got the money. Well, I must admit, when they, when they launched the livery and it was the same as last year with just a new sponsor on, you kind of wondered why they bothered going through the whole let's have you no know, virtual launch, a fake launch, no launch, and a black car in testing. It's like, just, you're not going to be interesting when you finally get the real thing. Don't bother, you know, it's like build it all up for nothing. DP World's a world leader in trade and uh, is rapidly transforming into the leading provider of global supply chain solutions for cargo owners. Yep, because uh, Dubai is a big hub 
uh, both for um, it sits in between Asia and Europe. And most most large companies actually do have um, little warehouses in the free zones, um, which are uh, tax free and uh, tax free. And also they have a called Jabal Ali. That's also a very very large. Um, I didn't realize how large it was. I drove past it actually when I drove from Dubai down to Abu Dhabi over, over in December. The ports there are massive and ever expanding. And of course, they've got a whole second international airport they're not using either, even though they're supposed to. Mm. Uh, so that's Renault's news. Uh, the FIA has issued a clarification to Article 11.5 of the Formula 1 technical regulations, uh, but they haven't publicly released the wording of that clarification. Oh, ducked. Again, we're going to be very close to getting a, a, you know, an R rating on this show, unless we're careful. Um, ducked. Yeah, right ducks rear brake ducks do you know the person who designs the rear brake ducks at mercedes you tell me no because i do know them personally well i might know them but i don't know don't whether know i know them. know them they're a very good friend of mine from the world of scale racing um and they and their job is to design or be part of the team that designs the, the rear brake ducks and they uh, as of last year they had a, a pointy bit which came out of the controlled area but they say it's not for cooling the brakes it's for cooling the, the drums or the gap between the drums that was accepted by uh, the uh, FIA, and then Red Bull moaned again, said, "No, you can't do that." So the little ear on top of where the, the duct is has got to go, and um, yeah, so they, they, they're going to have to do a bit of hasty, hasty redesigning. To be honest, what? I just file it off? Well, I assume they're going to have one without there, and you know, it's it's the fact of it is, it's not going to be as serious losing it. In, uh, in Australia, where it's not super hot, especially with the race starting so late, as it would be if it had to do it in the middle of summer. But, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a compromise of some sort. It's going to slightly compromise some of the airflow and everything else. But um, it's, it's interesting that the, the Red Bull have got very litigious, haven't they, recently? They've they decided they, 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 they've broken ranks and basically just protested everything, um, as this is the first of two protests. So this is the actual protest they've had, which has been technically delegated back in again. But they're also threatening to protest. Am I preempting now? No, now, uh, you can ab- absolutely say what they're threatening to protest. They're threatening to protest DAS, which of course is the, um, the toe adjuster steering system that uh, Mercedes have. If Mercedes use it, Red Bull are going to protest it, even though everyone has said it's legal, but they're protesting it anyway. Um, and so Sam Collins yesterday why. said it was legal. The FIA has said it's legal. Why would they bother protesting? That's just a waste of 250 Swiss francs or whatever currency that unless, unless have to be submitted in. Unless they're going to protest it under um, a different part of the regulations, I think they just a, a it's again this idea of diverting attentions of, of teams having to sort to, to, to do other work. Secondly, they can't copy it because their chassis doesn't have the right. Um, so they, even they thought it was a great idea, they couldn't copy it because the way their steering systems run out, their 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 tow links which connect the uh, steering inputs to the actual hubs are not in the correct position to be able to do easy auto tow based on a, on a entirely manual system it has to be manual that's the whole point it has to be controlled by the driver you can't do it with a, a button or a switch you can't do it hydraulically and just the way their system is designed it's making it very difficult sounds um, like there's a song in there somewhere you can't do it with a button or a switch uh-huh you have to do it hydraulically yeah um yeah i i think it just it sounds a bit churlish really but i i you know it's 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 all part of the, they, they might ch- i mean perhaps they're just just trying to prevent mercedes from using it but um i don't know it, it, it's it's a bit um unpleasant and unnecessary when everyone say it's okay and they've just been out thought and yeah red bull just being a bit bit a bit grumpy to start the season um 
quite sure why, really, but they probably feel aggrieved by certain things. Um, and that's that's the Red Bull moans. Um, we have the rumbling on of the Ferrari. Um, of course, the engine was legal saga. <laughs> but we found out today it was uh, actually John Tott who who did the secret deal. Oh, so, really? Yep, John Tott did the secret deal. Hang on a second. Look at my face. What expression do you think I have? Well, he said there were three choices. Choice one was to forget about it. Choice two was to go to the International Tribunal. And choice three to do with this one, which was a, an agreement off the record. And he thought that would be the best one. And he did it off his own back. Well, I'm sure not off his own back, but it was his decision. And What did know, Bernie Eccleston have to say about it? Um, he thinks they should be um, done, doesn't he? And what does, what does Chase Carey have to say about Bernie Eccleston? It's a um, good job he's not at a Grand Prix because he's old enough to get coronavirus. No? Quite well made. Uh, he is no, I've no, I haven't seen what Chase Carey said. Has he said he's just a trawlerman's son from Norfolk and nothing to us? Uh, not quite, uh, but he <laughs> he did um, question Eccleston's uh, management of the sport. You, realistically, and you know, let's let's yeah, obviously Bernie, the revisionist and everything else. But if you think of where it came from and where he got it to, he did actually do rather a good job. Made a lot yeah, of people rather, a lot of money, including himself, well, in fairness. But yeah, right. I don't think the, I think if you the CVC years were not covering himself in glory, and that was I think will go down as an error. But that was what two thousand and eight onwards. So he didn't do badly for the first thirty six years of his tenure. What's happening with Renault and about protesting? Racing Point. Yes, they're going to do that. Apparently, they're going to test Racing Point or Tracing Point maybe because they think they have they are not a proper constructor because they have copied all the bits, uh, and it's going to be a copyright rule. And there's a, we went into that in quite some detail in the in the preview. Um, and it's interesting because even though Mercedes don't mind they've copied them, uh, they, they they can still be had up for being a copycat. That is a that's a minefield because it's you know it's you know it, it took. Well, they only announced this week, and it's taken 11 years to, to decide that um, Led Zeppelin did right stairway to heaven. So, you know, because there's only eight notes, and, and you know, with, with aerodynamics, there's only two or three theories, and everyone copies everyone else. And it's like, you know, how, they're basically, they're building their own chassis. Their chassis is unique. Um, so the flow surfaces aren't, are copied. Big deal. Everyone copies everything. But they've admitted yeah. that. They've admitted yeah. that. That uh, technical oh. directors admitted that. They've said we took pictures like everybody else does, and we copied them. What they didn't get was blueprints, so they had to still work it out themselves. Uh, this is uh, great. As Nick from... says we discussed this in massive detail yesterday, yeah, so let's everybody. not waste any more time on it. Um, they can go back and listen to the podcast. Right turn lover. Right turn lover tweets. Haven't seen the contested pointy bit. Might it be called the Spock duct? Very good. Do, but they had it all last year, actually, mm. um, a version, and it was it was it has been protested and approved, and then obviously Red Bull got their their ace protesting team on board. So basically, basically what happened was Pierre Gasly protested. They protest last more year, strongly. But, uh, Max Verstappen has protested it this year, so they've they've gone for their their number one driver protesting rather than I don't know. It's it's I you know it's I think it's indicative of the fact that Red Bull a think they're in with a real chance. They haven't got to be friendly, and b now they've got to catch up. Got some positive so, Red Bull news though. Go on then. So, Jose Camaro will return as official Red Bull test driver for the 2024 one season. Yes, yeah, so is that well, not really. Is that is that massively positive? Well, it's positive with Jose Camaro, obviously. 
Yes, his role will see him travelling to races with uh, both Red Bull and uh, Alpha Tauri throughout the 2020 F1 season, as well as assisting the test and reserve driver Sebastian Buemi with simulator work. Is it Tauri or Tauri? Tauri. Well, it's named after the star, isn't it? Which is Alpha Centauri. Mm. No, it's named after the clothing brand. Which is named after the star, which is Alpha Centauri, which it's is named the bull after the star. Latin word for bull. Well... After right. The, no one knows how but to speak Latin. Apparently, the, 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 you know, what, what I thought was it was a massively established European passion house, like the like Pull and Bear. Pull and Bear, who sponsor a lot of uh, MotoGP stuff and just mm. aren't very prevalent in the UK. When you go abroad, they're all over the shop. You go, okay, right. Like Benetton used to be. Yeah. Whereas um, Alpha Tauri, Tori, Tori, whoever they are, I think apparently they have one shop, don't they? It's all the online world. these days, Nick. It's not. That's not how fashion works, Tim. I mean, I know, I know, none of us are really uh, up with the up with the kids on fashion front. But the whole point about it is the quick turnover of fashion. They were popping into H and M the whole time, and uh, well, not anymore, of course. No one pop it, but they pop it anywhere. Before and, we move, uh, sorry, go. On. And the problem, and the online retailers have problems. Are getting into getting their fingers burnt because of the massive amount of returns. So um, yeah, but after we have one shop, that's it, and some trousers. Rob Jenner says, "Want to be good when the racing starts and the legal stuff stops." And Nick Holland says... I'm not sure those two dates are the same. No, I'm not sure they are. <laughs> um, Nick, John Tolton actually doing something shocker. No, no, he's still after his uh, Nobel Prize for road safety. Don't forget. Um, apparently, Rupert the Bear is going to present it to him. That's a very parochial UK reference wasn't there. It, wasn't it a little squirrel in the UK? Tufty. Tufty. Oh, it's Tufty. You're right. It was Tufty the squirrel. Well done. Uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix on... I'm not old enough. March 22nd before you were born. held well before I was born. On the subject of which, uh, Johnny Palmer sends his apologies for absence. He's watching John Shuttleworth at uh, the Arctic's in Bromsgrove tonight. All right, excellent. Uh, Bahrain Grand Prix on March 22nd will be held without a crowd. Who's going to um, notice? Yes, no one. Well, they normally get the, seven or nine the, in. The literal tens of uh, fans in Bahrain uh, will be very disappointed that uh, their tickets have been refunded. Am I am I right in saying that it is it has got the smallest amount of seats of any Grand Prix venue? I I, I think it's only I, I think no it, Singapore's probably got fewer seats. Do you think? Yeah, I suppose that's a tra- a straight track, possibly Monaco as well then. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. So if you take out the straight tracks, it must be the smallest because there's only about three or four. How many seats are there permanently at Paul Ricard? Five thousand. I know well, they do build extra ones. That's a good ones. point yeah, as well. They throw fairness. a load of temporaries in, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bahrain Grand Prix. I mean, at least it means it, it should take take place. I mean, even you know, tomorrow this weekend's Grand Prix is still a bit wobbly, isn't it? We won't be certain until they've actually started. It's going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, Bahrain is pretty much you know, a lockdown country. It's, it's pretty much clear of problems at the moment, and they're going to import no more. So that that race should go ahead, and then then we get into the well, who knows what the heck's going to happen? Run of coronavirus for everything, for everything, for every sport. Um, F1, Vietnam, their visa regulations have got much much tighter. It's going to take all the international fans out of it. Whether whether they'll make a um, an excuse for the teams, I don't know. Uh, and then we go into Europe. And it it's depends kind of whether like... the teams are going directly from Bahrain. Cause, uh, well, they're not going to go from Italy, are they? Uh, Vietnam hasn't imposed uh, restrictions on Bahrain yet. 
Um, well, yeah, and that would be the sensible thing to do, and that will get the, that, that, that third race on. But then, we, then we're going to go into the European races, and and do we just say, well, everyone effectively is a European team, so they're just travelling around Europe, it's fine, or, or is it going to be a situation where, you know, there's going to start being issues? No borders in Europe, mate. Well, Italy have closed theirs. Well, yes, until something like that happens, there's no borders in Europe. You can drive, mm. you know. I yeah, I mean, you can't I I, currently it's, drive from Italy to Spain, though. And you can't fly from Italy to Spain yeah. because uh, the Spanish have now announced that they're not allowing flights from Italy to land. Or footballers. Well, only if they're on those planes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think none of us know what's going to happen. It's, not, it's, it's looking more and more like we're going to lose months of competition. And in the scheme of things, it's, yeah, that's not that important. It's frustrating for everybody involved. And it's very, it's very difficult for people to make their living. Uh, especially freelancers make their living, and that's my that's uh, certainly my, my my sympathy goes out with them. I'm you know, with, 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 uh, John, for example. Um, but, one one um, of the bigger know. issues with uh, Bahrain is that uh, with the restrictions on travel in and out of Bahrain, uh, a lot of airlines have cancelled flights or uh, rescheduled flights. So a lot of people who are supposed to be working on the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, and flying out that night have had their flight moved to nine o'clock on uh, Sunday morning. Which might be little inconvenient for them. Yes, they were, that, that'd be before the race. Okay, yeah, but all these things the happen. Race. Yeah, all these things happen. All these things get sorted out. And let's not forget, at the end of the day, there's a very large amount of money residing in the in um, in the F1 in FOM, and they can make things happen, um, so, be it charter flights or whatever, if if they want to. They have um, their own airfield. Yeah, yeah. They used to have, have their own airline. And um, they have them. Access to a number of cargo planes and all that sort of stuff. Rob Chalmers asked this question: Do AlphaTauri have more or less outlets than Andrea Morda? Well, That's fantastically, uh, Andrea Morda never had the internet. Think how much money they could have laundered if they'd had the internet. Hey, how much money they could have made? Made, yes, literally, almost literally. Um, from my point of view, if if motor racing, if any form of motor racing has to go behind closed doors. I think that's not a bad thing because it's a it's an event where the uh, roar of the crowd and the smell of the grease paint doesn't pay, play so much of a part as many other sporting events. And in fairness, you get a far better view on television than you do if you're in a stadium. I think playing football behind closed doors, and I was just watching some uh, Bundesliga tonight, I think it's pointless. I think it's absolutely pointless. They might as well just cancel the league or postpone it. But I think motorsport, you can get away with it because it's not about... You're not that close to the action. It's the not noise about... doesn't come from the crowd. The noise comes from the cars. Correct. And also, there's there are very, very few tracks in the world where you can see the whole playing surface, as it were, um, and where the crowd adds that much to it. In terms of atmosphere, the atmosphere is created by what's going on on the track. Well, if the F1 had a different business model, they could do that. The problem is all tracks, the tracks only make their money from ticket sales. So, um... Well, Formula One, FOM and Liberty have got a choice to make, haven't they? Do you want to run the event and put it behind closed doors or do you want to cancel them or lose them? Well, they need to make... They have to hit... I, I don't know if it's 15 or 16. They have to hit 15 or 16 as the minimum for their TV contracts. So, with a, I expect like a six they of, could use. Let's say it's it's sixteen. Let's say it's fifteen, right. and it's seven that could lose. But I think there's a swathe they're going that they may well lose in the middle of the season. And the problem is the back end of the season is all very 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 congested. So, 
um, they'll be raking in to get these first three away and then see what the situation is in Europe. And if, 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 if everywhere in Europe is the same, you know, in the same good slash bad situation, is there any point stopping travel between people in, in European countries? I don't know. It's a question I can't answer. I don't know. Yep, I agree. Uh, a few other events uh, being postponed or moved. Uh, um and from a purely selfish point of view, this might actually play into my hands because there's so many events that I would love to go to and can't because I always clash with something that I'm committed to be at. Mm. One of those is the opening round of the French GT Championship, which always happens at Easter, Easter at Nagaro. That's Correct. been postponed this year. I've never been to Nagaro. Bruce Jones tells me wonderful stories about Nagaro. I really want to go to Nagaro. So hopefully the rescheduled date uh, when it's announced uh, will be one that I can make and I can go to Nagaro. Uh, I, get the impression, I get the impression we are going to be incredibly busy in September and October. Excellent. I'm going to uh, Enipagusa in October. Well, you think you are. Currently. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, exactly. The uh, Ferrari Challenge, they've uh, postponed a couple of events, um, including a test session at Donington Park, which has been moved to Snetterton uh, a month later, uh, purely yeah, because... They can't get the cars and uh, people out of Italy. Ah, uh, so ah, uh, I didn't. I actually that was not a well written release. That no. I didn't understand that. So what they're doing is they're moving the test session to immediately prior to the first round. Then yes, I see. I, I kind of guessed what that's what it meant, but that's not what it said. Very very vague. Yes. Um, okay. Yes, no, no, that's the, fine. The championship. This is Ferrari Challenge. Is obviously all based at Maranello. Yeah. And the cars, quite a lot of them are based at Maranello because yeah. it's all Clinty Corsi stuff, isn't it? It is, absolutely so. Uh, we've had a f- another MotoGP race postponed. This time it's uh, Jakarta in Indonesia, which was due to happen the first weekend of June. Uh, I uh, No, that was, yes, sorry, not MotoGP, that was, that was Formula E. Formula E. Is that what, not what I said? No, he's not GP. Oh, I meant to say Formula E, yes. Formula so we have a Motor GP as well, of course, but let's keep going. But, uh, 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 and, in fact, there's a strong uh, suspicion that everything up to and including that event from Formula E will be put to one side. Uh, yes. We're just, waiting, uh, we're just waiting for confirmation from Formula E, but the... the uh, I don't want to say rumours because it's more than that. Uh, the briefing that is coming out of Formula E is that everything uh, up to and including that Jakarta race um, will be put on hold and postponed at the very least. Um, what I was surprised at is the amount of um, negativity coming out of Indonesia um, about the Jakarta race that I hadn't noticed before. A lot of people on social media saying it should never have been here in the first place. Anybody who knows knows that the capital has been moved from Jakarta at the moment uh, because of yeah, sinking. Because it's sinking, and uh, the general consensus by quite a lot of people in Indonesia and particularly in Jakarta is the money could have been better spent. Mm. Um, yeah, well, better the, spent the, looking after yeah. things in Indonesia. Mm. The very hot rumour um, regarding Formula E is they're going to actually run a behind-closed-doors double-header at the Valencia circuit. Is it Ricardo Torme, the one, one where uh, they yeah. test? They're going to run a... So they'll, 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 make, they'll make two different layouts for the two, for the two races. 
um, obviously because they put chicanes in that sort of thing. Again, to get away, this is to have the correct number of races for TV contract and to make it a championship, and then hope to pick up it because they their championship is queued to end at the back end of July, isn't it? Correct. It runs so they, they they need to get a few more rounds away, and obviously if they can get people into Spain, and that's where the cars are at the moment. Apparently, they've been in Portugal. They came back from uh, Marrakesh and went straight to Spain and nowhere else. They will do this. They'll run a double header on that weekend and then hope they can get the UK round away. And then I think that does. I think I think that would be enough. I'm not sure whether they have to get anything. Or new, but I think they have to get New York as well. They have to get New York, UK, and there's double round in Valencia away, and that would give them a proper championship. Uh, and I accidentally mentioned uh, MotoGP when I meant Formula E, but mm. MotoGP has postponed uh, Argentina yeah. today. Argentina, was, was, up until a couple of days, had no uh, corona, coronavirus. But unfortunately, because MotoGP and the Moto is, is based predominantly in Italy, um, when, if you ban Italians or make it difficult for Italians to get in, which is perfectly understandable at the moment, then obviously MotoGP has no choice but to postpone postpone the race, and that's the reason that one got postponed. And that's been shoved right the way back to early november i think and there's going to be a triple header last weekend between... in october i believe yeah so they're going to go from um argentina to um the rearranged cota race and i forgot one in the middle so they're going back to back to back before they hit valencia as a final round at the back end of december and don't forget november, sorry, yeah. and don't forget it's not about countries who are banning italians it's about italy not letting people leave but there are yeah. countries that are banning Italians. Yes, I mean, yes. Think... But the, but also, if anyone goes back home to Italy, they're likely not to be able to go anywhere from there. Well, the... Possibly might not even be able to get back home. Um... Yeah, but don't forget the, the COTA postponement is down to a local edict by the Austin area, which also banned the very popular South by Southwest Film Festival. They didn't want, they, they personally Art, didn't, yeah, want any large, music, yeah. didn't want any large gatherings. So that's actually come nothing to do with anyone who's turning up at Kota, but entirely that they didn't want any large gatherings uh, at that time. Actually, I think it was down to travel restrictions from Italy, is, is what Kota said. A, a number of people um, pointing out, of course, that the, uh, the date that was in the MotoGP press release... Um, isn't actually free. It is the 24 hours of quarter, the Hankook 24-hour date from Creventic, uh, which pr- prompted a fantastic uh, bit of back and forth on the Radio Show Limited listeners' collective about how it could all be scheduled for the same weekend and what a great weekend it would be. <laughs> would um, it? And, well, it's a split race, so there's no reason you couldn't split it into three eight hours and have it over three days and use the rest of the time for Mortal GP if you really wanted to. Uh, and and I can't remember who it is. I'm really sorry because I haven't got the Facebook page up at the moment. But somebody says, if it all runs on the same weekend, I'm backing Mark Marquez on, with a tenner to win the 24 hours as well. Uh, which I said, yes, he'd probably do it on his own uh, using a relay of Moto3, Moto2 and MotoGP uh, machinery. It sounds very much to us uh, and to what's going on in the States and in Holland at the moment is um, there's a bit of horse trading, shall we say, going on at the moment. That was very much Creventic's uh, weekend, which they were expecting to race on. So uh, stay tuned for that one, I think, is the uh, the best thing to see it and I'm sure that we'll hear from 
our colleagues at Creventic uh, once a suitable arrangement has been um, drawn up. One more change, and that's to the uh, Le Mans 24 Hours Moto. Yeah. This is the one with two wheels. Yes. Uh, that's moved. That's going into the first week in September. Um, Which is normally when the 24 Hours Karting is. Um, I well bec- Because France is on holiday in August for the whole month, so nothing will happen then. I think a lot of things in France will end up being in September and possibly even into early October. What's happened, what's very interesting about the 24-hour motor, and this may be a portent of what could happen in another World Endurance Series that has Le Mans as a a round, but obviously I'm purely speculating when I say this, it was... The, the 24-hour motor was meant to be the first round of that series, where, of course, the WEC final round is the 24 hours of Le Mans for cars. And the motors has swapped to being the last round of the series, and that will happen in, as I say, the early week of, of September. It doesn't give a lot of turnaround to the start of the following season for the FIM uh, World Endurance Championship. Um, it just makes me wonder if... Um, it could be done for the WEC and the last round could become the first round of next year. It's got to be being looked at um, in France, um, given the situation that we've heard. So, again, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Let's move on, uh, because uh, on Friday in Geneva, there was a meeting of the FIA World Motorsport Council. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they came up with uh, a selection of things. I'm going to run through them very quickly. Uh, first of all, a change to the 2020 Formula 1 sporting regulations was approved to allow for unrestricted variations to helmet designs. Great. Yeah. Uh, Lewis has got a purple one, apparently. Mm. Purple highlights. Uh, the FIA World Endurance Championship calendar has been approved. Uh, we already knew what it was going to be. Nothing different there. Uh, the FAA World Motorsport Council also approved the general The WEC was that, did yes. you say? All right, okay, sorry. Uh, general uh, for 2020-2021. Uh, the council also approved the general principles of convergence. Yeah. Without any details, because there aren't any. Well, there's a little bit of detail. The platform will maintain the existing uh, WC technical regulations, including the Le Mans hypercar. The Le Mans hypercar and LMDH cars would be brought together under a single and unique FIA WC top category, and the LMDH cars would be based on a new chassis common to both the WEC and IMSA, where the Tech Sports Car Championship top class. Uh, Which is the new LMP2 um, formula parameters such as power unit performance, aerodynamic characteristics and weight will be aligned for both the Le Mans hypercars and the MDH cars in order to ensure both will operate in the same performance window. What I'm hearing um, about that is that there is a uh, a likelihood, particularly with Aston Martin having put their car on hold, that the road-going version of hypercar may not make it into the final regulations. And we'll hear more about that at Sebring uh, next week. It, next week, yeah. Uh, and by the way, there's no show next week. There is no show next week because there's just too much going on at it Sebring. It just happens to be a World Endurance Championship uh, practice session happening and at the same y- time and on this channel. All happening at the same time. 
four different series that we're doing next week from Sebring. Yes. So get your fix. We'll be talking about them later in the show, and uh, we'll run out of time if we don't get through this. So next, FIA World Touring Car Cup uh, has got a uh, revised calendar. Uh, which sees it not going to two of the continents it should have been going to, so it's just Europe and Asia now. Mm-hmm. Um, severe cost reduction measures will be introduced as well, um, with uh, the number of races per weekend reduced from three to two, and, and uh, one of the qualifying sessions has been cancelled as well. And cars are indeed now inflatable, as Dex has just said. They might as well be. Um, no number of changes. Stop it. number of changes to sporting regulations for uh, FIA Regional Rally Championships. The NACAM uh, Rally Championship, which is the North America, Caribbean and Mexico Championship, mm. uh, will now have Barbados as a host country. Always had a lot of rallying in Barbados. Yes. Uh, now it's part of North America, the Caribbean and Mexico. And the Rally Ypres yes. uh, is joining the European Rally Trophy Celtic calendar mm-hmm. uh, the European Rally Trophy Benelux competition will continue with three other events in Belgium and Luxembourg uh, before we bring Dex in officially uh, let's uh, do a few tweets coming in at Um hello to uh, Wicker Bill uh, he's joined us tonight uh, Nick says if dates and events get shunted in 2020, could WEC go from a super season to a demi-season to accommodate a late run of Le Mans 2020? I like that. Rob Chalmers says, Mark Marquez at quarter on the relay, MotoGP, Moto2, Audi R8 GT4, Moto3, pit bike and a BMW M240i Cup. He'd probably still win, frankly. Uh, sensible requirements covered there, says Dave Alcock. Uh, and I thought the 24... Our motor was around in the body of the championship that started with the ball door and ends in Suzuka. So it's right turn. Definitely ends in Suzuka. Right. Okay. Well, I think it's going to move to to beyond Suzuka. Yes. Um, Yes. It may well have started at ball door. You're absolutely right. Uh, The FIA single seater commission has uh, agreed that Formula Four second generation cars will have halos. They're going to be introduced from 2021, but the first generation cars will still be valid until the end of 2023. The FIA GT commission, this is a fun one, uh, has agreed uh, GT3 homologation uh, up until 2020 or starting in 2022. Uh, Sorry, say that again. The 2022 GT3 homologation regulations have been finalised. Right, have we set any technical regulations for them? They have been sent to manufacturers and national sporting authorities right. in the first instance. So we haven't, but the uh, manufacturers who make GT3 cars have. It's r- that is really, really important because... They're the ones who've got to build these things. Well, no, it's really important because the talk from the GT Commission was that there was going to be a step change in GT3, going from a balance of performance formula to a technical technically regulated formula and that was that would have made a huge that will make a huge difference if that happens and the reason for that is because the ACO and the FIA um, were looking at their own version of GT3 and um, based on a more technical set of regulations 
rather than just build whatever you want and then we'll BOP it. And so long as you bring it back the same every time, then it's legal, which has worked exceptionally well for GT3. Yeah. So uh, that it's really important that we see those. Uh, I'll try and get hold of a copy of those. Find, find a friendly manufacturer who okay, can leak might them do to that. Us. Uh, the FIA Digital Motorsport uh, Working Group has been uh, renamed right. and given new status is now the FIA Digital Motorsport Commission. Starting okay. in 2021. Uh, and that concludes the uh, good bits from the FIA World Motorsport Council. Uh, let's bring Declan Brennan in. Hi, Dex. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm all oh, right. I'm hearing myself back. Oh, yes, you are, because I forgot to do that from yesterday um, when we were doing, doing IndyCar. IndyCar, yes. Is that better, Declan? It is. It is. Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking of interesting cost-cutting measures, but we should probably move on. You mean cost-cutting measures that actually cut, cut, cut costs? Cut costs, There's no yes. such thing. Uh, we had MotoGP at the weekend in Qatar under the likes at Lasile, which I always think looks stunning. Um, yes. MotoGP itself didn't look that good. In fact, it was almost like they didn't turn up, Dave. They were like invisible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, MotoGP free practice because uh, I got a bit of work done uh, on on account of it not being on. So uh, now, in is... all fairness, and and okay. let's not be snarky about this, it could have been uh, a bit of a snore fest in, in fact, in any other major series around the world. Take out the headline act. And people are going to slightly turn their noses up on it. However, with Moto3 and Moto2, probably uniquely, uh, you have two series which actually can command an audience and are exciting enough to hold their own. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh and interestingly enough, I, I'm, I don't know what NBC, uh, because I obviously watch through, and from an American perspective, I watch through uh, the MotoGP video pass. I'm, I'm wondering what uh, NBC sports are, are doing uh, with regards to this, because if you take Moto2, for example, suddenly they have the prospect of an American on, the, on pole position in Moto2 and a story that nobody ever thought was going to happen, that Joe Roberts was going to put the bike on pole and be... And, and this, they could have easily, for example, made that their feature race to launch their, their MotoGP coverage with an American absolutely in yep. the thick of the action. Interest, so all sorts of like lovely side stories and, and besides great racing. And the racing was excellent. And this, and as you said, from an atmosphere perspective, it's very hard to beat LaSalle no matter what's going on. But the, It looks the product so good. Is, Do you know the yes, only thing that I think they got wrong? I think they started Moto3 a bit early because it was still in the sort of twilight. It wasn't in full dark. And, and oh, I kind of like that, though. I did think, you? I think you, yeah, because that's when they normally race. And uh, uh, it's sort of into sunset. And uh, I'm sure it's not great for the riders, but... but from the from the photographic perspective, it looks absolutely stunning. Mm. Uh, you know, when when you're looking at 64 riders all in the lead for uh, for 18 laps, so uh, it, it was it, ex- is... it was extraordinary. Um, let's talk about Moto three first. Um, uh, good to see John McPhail up there again um, for Scotland. Uh, this is a big year for him. He's got to do uh, John McPhail's got to do um, the job this year. Uh, and he had a pretty decent start. But my goodness, there's some talent in Moto3. 
Uh, yes, there really, really is. There's there's an enormous amount of talent. There's also an enormous amount of, of uh, dare I say it, and and it's very easy to uh, to scoff when you say this. Veterans are like children who are veterans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, barely in their early twenties. Like John McPhee is tw- is is kind of people people look down their nose at him a little bit because of his age. I believe he might be twenty six. He's 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 this is it for him. He has a motor two bike being promised him by the team, by by the Patronus team, uh, based on his uh, challenging. I don't think they've suggested he has to win the championship, but he has to perform and he has to do what he did, for example, on on uh, on on Sunday, uh, and that is make the podium every week. But there's there are insanely good young riders in there, guys like. Uh, Dennis Foggia has just moved over to 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 the uh, the Leopard team. Kids like Sergio Garcia, who won the last race of last year as a 16 year old, and who's back, and he's really gonna he's gonna be up there every week. And then kids like uh, a guy making his debut this year, Dennis Onchu, Chan Onchu, his his twin brother, uh, raced uh, for Red Bull KTM last year, and and interestingly struggled having won here's a weird story so he on his debut because of tire choice in uh, in Valencia at the end of 18 wins and blows people's minds as a 15 year old but with all that pressure kind of the collapses in himself and he struggled uh, uh, last year interesting though if everybody said yeah but Dennis his brother his twin brother uh, he'll be the real deal so he comes in qualifies 7th finished 12th but on his debut uh, really really impressive and yeah. and when you pair that with the fact that uh, Tatsuda uh, Nagashima won the Moto2 race and both of them are protégés of Akiyajo and the whole Red Bull KTM program, you kind of, and then you look at that in a broad, the broader picture in terms of the talent that he's picked out over the last few years, like Brad Binder and, you know, a certain Mar- Marquez, you kind of have to tip your cap to him and say that he really knows how to pick talent and he knows how to nurture it. That's the thing. Uh, and I know I said this in the notes uh, prior to, but it's the thing that blows my mind compared to, to Red Bull and Helmut Marco, how they're like a sausage factory, whereas yeah. this, he nurtures talent and like Brad Binder got a bike towards the end of, of, of 2019 that he could win on. They trusted him and he won on it. He'd had two years of struggling in Moto2 after winning a Moto3 World Championship. They never, ever questioned him. And look what's happened now. Mm. They now have a potential MotoGP star. They did the same thing with Nagashima. Nagashima wins this race, and we'll get to, to, to his race in a minute. But there was nothing if you to, the, to most observers from last year with him running in the one XOX team with, with Remy Gardner, there wasn't a lot to say, oh yeah, yeah, put him on a, on, on a, a good bike and he's definitely going to win. Mm-hmm. That shocked everybody. Clearly it didn't sh- sh- shock, uh, shock uh, Akiyajo who believed in him, put him in the team and he goes out and he won and was going away at the end. When everybody else's tires were going off, he was getting faster and faster at the end. He was massively, massively impressive in Moto2. Yeah, and and I, I will we'll stick with Moto Two as you 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 moved uh, you, you moved onto it there. Um, just an extraordinary uh, race it was, other than Tetsuya Nagashima who uh, got out in front. Lorenzo Baldassari uh, and Ian Battistini, couple of um, multi-year veterans there. I mean, Calix in the top five. This is a for those that don't know, it's a. a, a a spec engine, which is the Triumph, 
engine and it's a it's a chassis formula uh, eff- effectively uh, all the way down to Remy Gardner in fifth position um, so we had Gardner and Roberts bat- bat- battling it out for a, for a little while which was quite fun um, but when you've got Aaron Cannett sitting down in eighth and Schrotner in seventh and Jorge Navarro in sixth and beyond that Thomas Luti who is going to I think going to struggle this year um, maybe should have uh, could have had the championship last year, but maybe he was a bit too nice. I think we said that in our in our review. Moto 2 this year is going to be outstanding, but you can't take it away from Tatsuna Nagashima. And a very, very poignant moment at the end on the 10-year anniversary of his countryman winning the first ever Moto 2 race. Yeah, which was, he, despite... Uh, the 10-year difference, they were actually very close friends. Yeah. Uh, and Tom Itzau, uh, and because Nagashima is not, not a young man. He's 20. He's also, I think you believe he's 26. He's got three children. A really rare thing in, in, in a MotoGP paddock. Uh, and yeah, they were they were very close. And that was a very poignant and it was very lovely to see that. Uh, I, you have to mention as well, uh, the man who led the race for, for two-thirds of it, which is... Uh, Luca Marini and yes. Luca Marini uh, pushed the tar. Like this is the extraordinary thing about that track and about this year, is that with with the with the tire, Luca Marini uh, led two thirds of the race, and then the tire fell off a cliff. He went backwards and fell off on the last lap in twelfth. Yeah, he like absolutely dropped like a stone. Whereas Remy Gardner dropped back as far as eleventh place. He, he was being the passed at the final corner by Jake Dixon. The British yes, driver, he was. Correct. Uh, who dropped Correct. back to 14th. They were scrapping for, uh, I think, 12th and 13th. And Jake Dixon, in his, is this his debut year? Full season? Uh, no, second. This is the second year. Right. He, he decided, Jake Dixon made a very specific decision to stay. Uh, and it paid off by him getting the, the Petronas sprinter ride. Yeah. He, he was very vocal at the end of last season. He said, I had offers in, in British Superbike, but I need to be in this paddock. He said, I need to be on a bike in this paddock, even if it's not a bike. And at the time he didn't have the contract, I, I need to be on a bike running in this. If I'm going to, if, if I'm going to get the MotoGP, he firmly believes that BSB, he could make a living, but if he wants to make it in MotoGP, he has to be in the paddock. He can't, he's not going to necessarily get people's attention by winning uh, in on British Superbikes. So that's really interesting. Uh, again, uh, on that subject, somebody like Remy Gardner, uh, Again, with the tyres, Remy Gardner was actu- actually probably a couple of laps from the podium, maybe even, mm. well, I thought he was going to win. I think second would have been possible. He dropped back early in the race, having qualified pretty well, dropped back to, uh, I think he dropped back as far as 11th, and then slowly, as everybody's tyres fell off, he managed them beautifully, and that shows a level of maturity that he didn't have last year. Last year, he spent time qualifying in the in the in the middle of the top 10 uh getting to like fourth within two or three laps and then dropping like a stone and he he's still quite young and he showed a great deal of maturity i'm massively excited by by moto 2 and and you mentioned aaron connect coming out of moto moto 3 yeah i i said in our in a review despite him not winning the championship in moto 3 i always believed he was going to be the, the rider to emerge from Moto3. That would go the fastest, the quickest. Dallaporta finished 24th, uh, the Moto3 champion. Kanet yeah. uh, was fast in every session. Eighth, eighth position, and yeah. he looked good on the, on the Moto2 bike. It's, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Now, that said, there are people who 
don't get Moto2 uh, and go on to be fine on MotoGP and vice versa, actually. Yes. Um, anyway, let's wrap this up uh, because um, we pushed for time a little bit. I know Nick didn't see it, but I know he's uh, still... Did you watch any of it, Nick? No, I was with you last weekend. You with me? Nick, Nick, it was very good. It was, was very, very, oh, very well, good. We, I, yeah, but we had a huge amount of whiskey on Saturday, didn't we? Oh, yes, we did. That's right. I watched it after you'd left. I'd forgotten that. Uh, that's what I spent the rest of my afternoon doing. Um, I don't. I hope it doesn't happen again because it would mean there's more problems for MotoGP. But I think Moto2, Moto3 can stand uh, up on their own two feet. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, Series 15, Episode 10. Uh, and Tim is up in London and has this for Dex. And for oh Nick. Well, before we do that, uh, got uh, a couple of other stories out of Germany. Audi's confirmed it is going to run a ninth DTM car this year uh, for Ferdinand Habsburg. Yeah. The 22-year-old will join Ed Jones and Fabio Scherer at WRT. Uh, we are delighted to add a third car to our lineup, said Vincent Voss. It was in Macau in 2017 when I first noticed Ferdinand. That day he performed a superb race, fighting for victory until the last corner. He's a talented, fast and bright driver, and I like very much his approach to racing. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Audi has also confirmed it will take part in the new DTM Cup Series. Is that like DTM Light no. for last year's cars? No, not at all. Well, uh, we definitely think there's a gap in the market for DTM Cup. There aren't enough championships of GT3 cars in Europe at the moment. Said absolutely nobody. <laughs> that almost made pointless press release of the week. Clearly, uh, right? Clearly. You've got five minutes before top of the hour. That means we've got to do uh, news in Spanish. So Excellent news in Spanish jingle, which is this one. Noticias en español. Okay. Olé. Olé. Por midweek. Motorsport. Right. I'm going to have to move my screen closer because it's very small writing. Uh, Joey Logano, Estado Esperanto, La Ayuda de Kevin Harvick, Tras El Rancio, El Tiempo Extra de la Fanshield 500, and El Phoenix Raceway, Pero en Lugar de Eso, Harvixa, Le Puzo Alada, Para Pelear por la Victoria Durante Two Vueltas. Well, oh, uh, yep. I'm all, I'm all over this. Do you think so? I, I heard yeah. that he was going to teach everybody Esperanto, Esperanto at the start. In, in an Esso station. Yes. That's that's uh, and he started he started off particularly with Kevin Harvick. So yes. Kevin Harvick is the first is the first student. Uh, uh, Joey Logano for some reason is going to be teaching Esperanto in an Esso station no, in no, Phoenix. No, no. You've you've got most of it, Dex. But you were slightly wrong there. He's going to be actually teaching in the lavatoria of a larder dealership. Ah. So it's actually, there is obviously some petrol racing. Now, the interesting thing is, though, there is some sort of very weird parts of this where they appear to be doing, they're going to learn Esperanto by some form of seance, because they're bringing back Jimmy Durante, I heard, as well. Right, OK, move on, next bit. Uh, Lugano, si tu que recupera de en castigo en Pittsburgh and Lanta, uh, suelta en superar de Durante la vuelta 133, por lo que tuvo que uh, desde el último puesto y de otro problema uh, con el gato mm. hidráulico con la vuelta 272. <laughs> he's got cat, cake. isn't it? How, how is he? Well, this is, you see, this is what happens when you're trying to make a cake without any carbs. This this is a keto cake, and he's going to blow. He's going to make a hydraulic cake. Is what I got out of that, Nick. 
Well, no, also, it's quite interesting that he was... Sorry. Go on, Nick. No, the interesting thing I, I now realise, actually, he was, he was... It wasn't that he was going to raise Jimmy Durante by a seance. He was actually... Jimmy Durante is his guardian angel who looked after him on lap 133. Mm. Um, so, and to, I think what he then decided to do, he wanted to make some sort of spiritual cake... And of course, hydraulics also applies to water. So he's making some sort of spirit cake that involves actual liquid spirits. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm I want to go to. Tenya and Auto KL Teoria, Ero Mas Rapido, Sequedo Atrapado, and El Trafico. Well, Volta Mas Rapido was at every Grand Prix uh, in the Spanish speaking world. In the 1980s and 90s, I used to see his name on the bottom of the screen all the time, but I never knew who he drove for, Nick, did you? Well, yeah, I think he was, 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 it's one of those secrets, but actually he was actually, um, he was laundering money for the entire world and Uh, just getting the sponsor on the bottom there. Uh, It was something about El Trafico, I think that was actually the band Traffic. I think uh, they're laundering money... uh, are they sticking it in their shoes so that, that, that it covers the hole in their shoes? It covers shoe? the holes in their shoes, yes. Uh, uh, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid Netflix haven't released it, but El Trafico actually is, is a, a, a very strange uh, Mexican Mexican drug law, but he actually embezzles the money from speed cameras rather than, than cocaine. <laughs> very good. <laughs> ah, so, was it, in fact, not a gato, but a gatso? That's oh! a typo. Exactly. Gatsonides, who, by the way, just in a bit of... Uh, the, 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 this is true. How dare he make speed cameras? He was a rally car driver, and and he developed this. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And you wonder why I don't like rallying. Yeah, all just, right. Just hang on. So this is all. So there's a séance involving spiritual cake in a Lada dealer next uh, to an Esso. Which is, got, which is which is El, Tra- yeah, El Trafico, the Mexican speed camera drug lord. But of course, they, it's Mexican Day of the Dead. Oh, yes. oh, and this, so they decided of all the people they could bring back in history, they decided to bring back Jimmy Durante. Well, Jimmy Durante was actually requested by some of the other drug lords because they felt he might have a very large imbibing of the white powder. Ah, uh, uh, the schnoz. Moving on. Uh, Las NASCAR Cup Series regressa a la acción el próximo domingo en el Atlanta Motor Speedway con la The Focus of Honor Quick Trip 500, 2 p.m. Eastern, poor Fox. Well, I think that's self-explanatory, isn't it? They're going to have a Day of the Dead every Sunday. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, well... I think, I think they already do, in fairness, but that's it. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you were to look at the median age of the fan... Right. So, Stop uh, that right now. <laughs> Declan, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll say goodbye to Nick Damon uh, at this point. Uh, Declan, we'll say goodbye to you for a little while as well. You're listening Bye. to me... Bye, guys. Thank you. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's exactly nine o'clock in the UK. I've locked Mark in the shed, so I get to say still to come on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, yes, we've got Shea Adam, who'll be looking at, at Sebring with the WEC and, of course, IMSA WeatherTech Michelin Pilot Challenge. And if we've got time, the prototypes uh, as well. That's coming up. In our number two, we'll have more of uh, your tweets, please. You've been busy tonight, despite the fact there's so much going on. At Specutainment, if you don't mind uh, for that. We've got more sports car news to come as well, and possibly a bit of IndyCar uh, news too. But we'll start off the hour uh, with... 
Ben Constanturas on his way to Mexico for the WRC round uh, this weekend. And before that, it's a little word from Richard Creel about On The Grid, which is tomorrow night here on RS1. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. It's sweeping the world. No one knows quite what to do with it or how it will end. That's right. On The Grid is back for another week looking at motorsport with an Aussie approach. On the show this week, we're joined by Tickford Racing driver Lee Holdsworth as we count down to the next round of the supercars this weekend in Melbourne. There's a look at what to expect from the debut of S5000, TCR on the big stage for the first time, and much more as we count down to the Aussie GP. There's that, and I controversially call the 1993 European Grand Prix at Donington terrible, and then go on to say why current Formula One should be much more like that. Perhaps I should be going to the doctor after all. From the home of panic buying toilet rolls, it's on the grid, 9pm UK time on RS1. WRC back in action this weekend. It's Rally Mexico. And earlier on today, I spoke to Ben Constanturis as he's actually on his way to the event. Uh, It's been a bit of a break uh, since the last event in Sweden, which threw up a fantastic result for Welshman Elvin Evans. So I started by asking Ben uh, just how big a result that was for the young Welshman. Yeah, absolutely fantastic to have uh, Elvin on the podium, not only in Monte Carlo in third position, but then to grab the win. And he just seemed to be on a different level in Sweden. Uh, A shortened event, only nine stages, less than 100 uh, miles of uh, actions, stage action. But he was just able to switch it on straight away, which is what he needs to do on a sprint event like that, um, and perform much better than uh, his teammate Sebastian Auger, who just wasn't in the same league. And, and nobody was, to be honest. Um, Kale Rovenpera also starring uh, in Sweden, managing to get himself onto the podium and only his second appearance in WRC in the Toyota. Uh, so all in all, it was great to see a, a different set of names on the podium and uh, really kind of sets us up ex- very excitedly for a full-length 21-stage Mexico rally, which uh, is always a tough one. In some ways then, Ben, does Elvin come into this uh, with Scott Martin, his co-driver, as the form driver? Uh, last three results, first, third and sixth. He's got momentum at the moment. Uh, last time in Mexico was his best finish there ever, which with a podium finish in third. Uh, he's got to be the man to watch, hasn't he? Yes and no. Um, I think once we get to Saturday, he'll be in a much better position. But Mexico is famous for having very soft roads. And Elvin will go into the stages as the first driver on Friday. Um, He will be followed by Thierry Neville, who actually has the same points as him. But because Thierry will finish sixth uh, in Sweden, uh, he sits second in the championship. So championship order for Friday. Elvin will go in first and he will be sweeping the dust away for the guys behind. And there are some very quick guys later down the running order on Friday that will take big advantages out of Elvin on that first day. I think Elvin's going to be chasing the car. He'll be feeling weird in the car. He won't have the grip he wants. Uh, um, But then Saturday... depending on how well or badly he does on Friday, uh, the car, I think, will come back to him and and, uh, hopefully he can recover across the Western weekend. Thierry Neville in the Hyundai, of course, um, it's 
not one of his better rallies at Mexico. He's only been on the podium once in the last three years. Sorry, he was only one place off the podium uh, last time out in fourth position. couple of wins already this season, but he won't have been happy with his sixth on the last event uh, this year in Sweden. Yeah, it was interesting to see some of the really experienced guys uh, like himself and Sebastian Auger struggling to get onto the pace in Sweden. Uh, obviously, Sweden wasn't an ice rally as expected, although regulations said they had to use uh, the studded tyre. So they were on the wrong type of tyre, if you like, for the muddy kind of uh, Wales Rally GB conditions they were faced with, certainly on Sunday. Um, and it just didn't click for Thierry or Sebastian, but for the younger drivers, they were able to find pace, maybe uh, push the car harder, maybe take more out of the tyres, but because they had a tyre change after every stage, they didn't have to worry too much. This uh, Mexican rally, Thierry um, has always struggled to find the feeling on the first day. Again, he's always been starting up in the, uh, the top three or four. He's never really got the car set up well for the Friday, and then he's been chasing it for the rest of the weekend. Um, so let's see how Hyundai have counteracted that. Normally, it's an understeer issue. Normally, his front end doesn't bite in the soft conditions. Um, so he'll be looking to try and lose as little time as possible on Friday so that he's in a good position for, for the remainder of the weekend. Uh, but certainly, he's got two very strong teammates behind him uh, in uh, Oitanek starting sixth on the road and Danny Sordo starting last on the road, mm. uh, as is this very interesting strategy that uh, Andrea Adamo has for this season. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment after we've talked about Oit, because uh, it, it's been an up and down season, um, a down and out season uh, <laughs> for, uh, in uh, the Monty, of course. Two second place finishes uh, in his last three WRC events, but that big DNF uh, Monty didn't start uh, the season this season well. Um, he's only had one podium finish in Mexico, and that was the last time he was here. And uh, in in fact, of course, he had another big off in Mexico, which in some ways brought him to our attention. That was the um, yeah. the lake incident, the Titanic Lake incident. God, what what year was that? I can't even remember myself. But fifteen uh, was that. 15, 15, I think 15 is correct. Yeah, and he got stepped on the podium with a a snorkel mask and they signed the front uh, bonnet and that's framed up at M Sport now. You can see that uh, up there when he was driving in the Ford Fiesta, ditched the car into into a lake and the the team managed to turn it around and get it running the next day. Absolutely amazing story. Um, He comes into Mexico, he came into Sweden not fully fit after Mexico, didn't think he really should have been there. He feels much better now. Um, he's saying he's fully fit, starting in a good position. For me, he's the man to watch if he's got a good feeling in the Hyundai. But invariably, Thierry's always struggled on the Fridays. Um, hopefully, the conditions will suit Oi to be more balanced for him. And I think he's the one that will be taking chunks of time out on Friday. And then he'll be uh, trying to hold on to that advantage for the rest of the weekend. Well, you mentioned, Andrea, Ad- Adamo's uh, tactics of changing drivers um mm. basically on the the monday after the 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 rally is finished there's a bit of a shuffle i don't know how they do it whether they play dominoes for it or there's a bit of <laughs> rock paper scissors uh, around the back um but uh, it will be as you said danny sordo uh, who uh, replaced Craig Breen, who replaced Sebastian Loeb. So that yeah. particular car uh, has now had it now will be on its third crew. The advantage being, as you eloquently mentioned, Ben, that starting 
um, effectively with zero points means he'll be at the back uh, and that he may well get the better of the roads. Now, this is all about manufacturers' championship, really, whatever anybody says. And it's it's rather riled one or two others, including Tommy Mackinnon, who uh, I, I've been cruising through the Scandinavian uh, media, and he said, I'm not entirely sure if it's a sporting uh, if it's sporting to change drivers on the Monday after the the rally, it seems a little crazy. But you play the game in the best possible fashion. Uh, and uh, Andrea Atomo said, "Hmm. Well, I, when he was uh, asked about Tommy's response, he says it seems Tommy has more free time to think about my drivers than I have free time to think about his comments. So it's starting <laughs> to get it's starting to get a little bit wound up." It's within the rules because of when they do it. You can't change coming up the rally. You've got to do it pretty much straight away, haven't you? Yeah, that's this year's rules, yeah. So previously you had a bit more time uh, to think about it, but now you have to do it on the Monday after the previous event. So um, amazingly, the decision was made to bring in Craig Breen after Monte Carlo, on the Sunday night of Monte Carlo, Sebastian Loeb and Andrea Adamo kind of had a, a frank discussion after what was a disappointing performance from Loeb in Monte Carlo. And Loeb said, I don't really fancy going to Sweden, especially with the dodgy conditions, um, to find someone else. Uh, Danny Sordo is the other contracted driver for the season. He didn't fancy it. Um, so uh, then they had to scratch their heads. And obviously, Craig Breen had done such a good job in similar circumstances last year that he had a chance again, very difficult to really star uh, in Sweden and it's back to Danny Sordo for Mexico. And you would expect Danny and Seb to be the two mm. people that uh, Andrea will turn to. Although when we get to Finland, Seb Loeb doesn't like Finland. He doesn't, it's uh, it's school holidays. So he likes to go on holiday. Um, and Danny Sordo doesn't like the speed of Finland. Uh, so I expect to see Craig, Craig Breen to come back uh, in for a bit later on. He's not a bad guy to have in at Mexico, Danny Sordo. Um, mm. He finished uh, ninth last year, but I seem to remember when I was voicing the highlights for Mobile One The Grid that that actually didn't reflect his running because I've got a feeling he was right up the sharp end until he had an electrical issue. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and so with having a, a better road position here, he he'll certainly get good points for for the team and for the manufacturer, won't he? Yeah, I think, Danny, as long as the car stays together and he has had such bad luck over the last couple of years with uh, Friday issues with that car, if it stays together, he's in a really great position to, to score good points. Remember, only two of the three drivers in each manufacturer score points. So he does have to beat Oit and Thierry. Now, you know, you can only do that if one of those two has a problem. problem. Uh, if, if they don't have a problem, then you need to back off and, and let them go ahead of you because both of those are competing full year for the manufacturer, uh, for the driver's title. So yeah. it's it's a bit more tricky than it was last year for Andrea because he only had one full-time driver last year. This year, he's got two of three. Um, he can't quite play this game as much as he would like, um, but it's still a very, I still agree wholeheartedly that it's a good game to to play uh, to to win the manufacturer championship, which he did last year doing it. I want to have a quick word about a couple of other drivers. One you've already mentioned, uh, young uh, Cali Ruff and Pear. I'll talk about him in a second. But what about Esapeka Lappi in the Ford Fiesta? Uh, a couple of top five finishes at the start of this season. That's the sort of consistency that Esapeka and indeed M Sport need. Fifth in the running order on Friday. That's not the worst place to be in Mexico. 
No, that's really good. I think um, he's in a really solid position and leading that M Sport team. Uh, they will have three cars because Gus Greenspice uh, will be back for in the third Fiesta um, uh, alongside Timo Sunanen. Uh, so, yeah, Esapeka is doing a really solid job. He's had problems in both the rallies as well. So it's not as though uh, he, that's a reflection on his pace in that Fiesta. Fiesta is a really good car. You know, it's definitely not now developed to the level of the Toyota or the Hyundai, um, but it's still capable of winning rallies. Um, Elvin Evans was very close to winning Mexico a couple of years ago. Um, he just made a mistake on the power stage and hit a bridge. Uh, so there is the possibility of... Uh, of uh, a fiesta definitely getting on the podium i think interestingly though uh, the last couple of winners in mexico um have been citrons mm-hmm. um, we don't have any citrons this year so it's you know that would be the favored car i think with chris uh, meek if you may remember winning a couple of years back by driving through a car park on the power stage um mm-hmm. and sebastian Auger winning last year in the citroen for uh, his second win at that point so yeah i think the ford ford is a good place to be they've obviously got good running order as well um if again if they can stay together and it's going to be rough it's going to be hot there's a lot of stages to get through um, a lot of different stages, a lot of small um, spectator-friendly two-kilometer stages, as well as the longer ones in the mountains. Um, so it's a really varied itinerary. Uh, it's going to be hot, and I, c- I can't wait to see who comes out on top. It might only be a small grid of uh, a starting list of, what, nine, ten cars, um, but it still provides fantastic action. And that's going to ha- help um, Gus Greensmith, as you said, get potentially get in the uh, in the points Um did have a problem on the Monty, although he did make a mistake as well and actually didn't make the cut-off, did he, uh, in the top 60, which he would have been no. very <laughs> disappointed about. However, last time out, Cali Rovenpera and uh, Yone Halturnen in the Toyota Yaris um, mm. comes of age. When you go head-to-head with Sebastian Auger in a, a battle for a podium position and you come out on top, uh, wins the power stage, as well, he might not be in the position to win the rally this weekend, but it can't be long, can it? Before he gets a WRC, there's no doubt now, surely, about his credentials no. and his talent. No, then there was ever any doubt. He was a standout performer in WRC uh, two pro last year, um, and uh, obviously great pedigree. Always been a bit of a star. The difference from last rally to this rally was in Sweden, you did not have to preserve tyres at all. You were given a new set for Good every point. single stage, um, which meant those young drivers who really could extract 100% out of the car for the stage benefited. And you know, Looks like every stage was a long power stage, really. Yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. So it really set him up for that power stage victory. Someone like Sebastian Auger was saying, I, I can't get as close to the limit as these guys are doing. I'm I'm trained over so many years to get my tyres through three long, hard stages. And here we're doing 15 kilometres and then throwing them away. So I think it was a very unique situation that Calais uh, really starred. Let's see how he does in Mexico, where he's got to get those gravel tyres through the really harsh, rocky terrain and preserve the car all the way through a rally in a way that perhaps you didn't have to so much in Sweden. Right, before you've got to jump on the plane then, Ben, and, and give our best to everybody uh, that you're travelling uh, with. Uh, I know that uh, Michelle Mouton's not uh, sitting too far away from you. It's been a while <laughs> since I had a, a long chat with Michelle. Uh, oh, 
always enjoyed her company on the uh, the race of champions down through the years. Uh, head on the block, mate. Where's it going to be come the end of Rally Mexico? Who we're going to be talking about in uh, in uh, glowing terms? And who do you think, if anyone, is, is likely to make a bit of a mistake and and potentially dent their championship hopes? I think I did a good job of predicting last time out. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I think I said Elvin was going to start. Mm. Um, this time it's going to be an Oit win, I think. This is the first time that Oit's really got a chance to, to win for Hyundai. Um, the Hyundai package is strong. I'm not quite sure the Toyota's quite where it needs to be for Mexico. Um, and I'm not quite sure Ford has got the performance. So uh, let's go with Oit. And in, in terms of Elvin, because it's it's such a big story, and it is a big story for, yeah. for him and for the for the sport um in some ways does he have to drive for the championship at this point because he is a he's he's undoubtedly now a championship contender so he's got to pick up points this weekend hasn't he rather than do anything silly and try and go for the heroic um even even if he's off the podium it's not the worst thing here yeah exactly uh, it's the first time we go into a rally since 2001 with a british um leader um, in the championship, I guess that would have been Richard Burns back in the day. Um, and uh, so it's a, a momentous occasion for uh, rallying in the UK in general. Um, and Elvin's very good at picking up points when he needs to. If you look at the results from the early part of last season in the Fiesta, when he had a car that couldn't win, um, he still was there picking up fourth, fifth. So he's just got to stay calm on the Friday, make sure he doesn't make too many mistakes on the Friday, um, not lose too much time. Although the car will feel horrible, he won't have the grip he was used to. It will be all over the place. Pick up enough points to stay in contention. Thierry's going to have similar similar road position um, and conditions. Uh, and so not don't lose too much to him. Um, and see where you sit for the next one in Argentina, which, again, is a, a massive gap between uh, Mexico and Argentina at the end of April. So we'll just have to take it rally by rally, I think, in these early parts of the year. Uh, I just realised, by the way, didn't, we didn't speak about Sebastian Augier. Who... I know, but that's the season, that's the season right, so far. I, I know, and, and I've, I've <laughs> just realised that as I'm scanning down through the points, and that's why, uh, in fairness... Um, six times a champion for Sebastian Ogier, but um, if until you, unless you go all the way back to 2012, um, when he was in the Fabia, I think the S2000, um, then th- this this is actually statistically his worst rally. So haven't spoken to about him, but this is actually him going into his worst rally. Could he be a little bit of a dark horse in the Toyota? He's, he's got a decent road position, I suppose. Um, but I just don't feel like the Toyota's really the right car to have in Mexico. Much shorter wheelbase, uh, much more pointy, the kind of thing you do want uh, on Rally Monte Carlo. That's where he should have picked up the points. That's where he should have kicked off his, his year. And by losing to Thierry Neville, I think mm-hmm. confidence was dented. God knows what he feels like having been beaten by Elvin Evans twice and Calio Rovampera once. Uh, a real reset is needed, I think. This is his last year. Tommy Macken has been trying to get him to sign a different deal, but I'm not sure he's going to. Um, so, yeah, let's see. He, he needs a big performance, definitely. I, I think I said statistically his worst rally. His worst season, should I say. He's good at this rally, and he's going for a three. Uh, Pete, this year, three times uh, a, a winner, and he's starting from the same row position that he had last year. I'm very envious, Ben. Uh, good luck. Enjoy it. Uh, and thanks Thank for taking much. some time out. Uh, and make sure you don't miss that flat. I haven't heard it called in the background, so I think you're going to be all right. 
<laughs> I've got a few more hours to wait, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rob Chalmers on Twitter says, on. Uh, Vuelta Mastropedia always used to come to form right at the end of the race when he summoned his superpower and became Ultima Vuelta. Yes, very good. Very good. Uh, I did actually have somebody ask me once who that Volta Mastropedia was because his name was up there all the time. I kid you not. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. That was Ben uh, on his way to Mexico. That was earlier on today, as you may have guessed. He's midway across the Atlantic by now. Yes. Uh, he was sitting in the lounge at uh, Charles de Gaulle uh, when we spoke to him. Uh, Ad Spectatainment. Interesting bit of a discussion going on about something we were talking about with Shea Adam and Jeremy Shaw in the, in the IndyCar preview. Aeroscreen versus... Uh, Halo, Andrew Muggeridge says maybe it's just a case of getting used to the aero screen, but I much prefer the Halo. I hardly even notice it now. Aero screen looks too bulky. Interesting, says Dave Alcock. To me, the aero screen looks aero screen looks more naturally integrated into the lines of the car. Halo looks like an add-on rather than part of the design. Shows how aesthetics are so subjective. The, the aero screen to me makes the car because it adds so much height. It makes the car look shorter. Yes, um, and. One thing that I heard uh, Will Power talking about was when he tested it in the rain, although he's not got the sort of constant fine spray coming up off the wheels anymore, he's now, and the wind, the, the screen itself clears the water really well. Unfortunately, all that water is going up into the corners. Yes. He's now got water dripping from the top corners into his yes. lap. Yeah. Um, and uh, he suggested that they could uh, probably do something to wick that water away so that it doesn't go into his trousers. Anybody who's had a 1960s sports car convertible will know the feeling. Because, frankly, even with the hood up, it would do that. But with the hood down, it was fine when you were going forward. But eventually, it would just blow over the edges of the of the windscreen. Um, if you missed the IndyCar preview or the F1 preview, it's a super Thursday tomorrow night. It's a massive Thursday, starting uh, just about 8 o'clock with the IndyCar preview. Then it's on the grid. Then it's the F1 preview. That's all tomorrow night. And you heard from Creelsey earlier on about on the grid. Hashtag on the grid if you want to... Ask those guys a question going forward. And tonight, stay tuned straight after this show for a very special treat. The first airing of a brand new Inside Story. Uh, Last week, we were at Bentley Motorsport. And you'll want to listen right from the beginning. Time now to say hello to Shea Adam. Hello. Excellent stuff. See, that works. (laughs) Turbo Thursday is uh, what we're going to call uh, Thursday. Uh, this week, because it, there's so much packed into it, it is in fact, it has been super, super compressed. Uh, let's talk about WEC first of all, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Sebring next week with a. Is it 30 cars or 29? Well, it was 30 cars, but uh, as of about three hours ago, it's being reported that there will be 29. Settlar Racing is apparently not going to participate in the 1,000 miles or eight-hour race, which will take place on Friday. They're going to take the money that would have been used to get the team to Sebring and instead donate it to hospitals in Italy, where the team is based out of there, and they, of course, run uh, organizations. So that means six LMP2 cars 
all of them the same chassis. So no real diversity. All right, one's badged in Alpine, but they're all Oricas running around. Uh, we've got the five LMP1 cars and then a plethora, i.e. 18 GT cars. Yeah, and we should mention, of course, five because Janetta are back. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of fiddling with the handicap, uh, success handicap that goes in to that. The uh, theoretical car, um, which <laughs> I just don't. Um, however, it should be tightened up a little bit at the front between the second place in the championship Toyota and the Soul Rebellion. Um, the Rebellion, the uh, Toyota that's still leading the championship is still going to be a couple, uh, no, it's going to be three seconds a lap uh, handicapped. Um, mm. I, I did do some reading about this and I, I wasn't entirely certain how they were achieving this. With the non-hybrid, so the Janetta and the Rebellion, it's all done on weight, whereas it's done by balancing the power on the hybrid. Uh, so it is slightly uh, different, but it's a longer race. There's an opportunity to make more mistakes as as well as anything else, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah. So six then uh, of the LMP2s, as you mentioned, GTE Pro 7. And that means we've got Jan Magnussen and Mike Rockenfeller back against the might of the regular runners. And they've been uh, helped out a little bit now that the... FIAWAC have got a bit of data on the new C8R. Yeah, and that's going to be the first real test for the Corvette uh, because they can directly compare the three cars that will be running, the two that will run in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship as well, all on a similar, well, they're all on the same tire, they're all running Michelin, but different compounds between the two series. So the lap times will not directly compare BOP as well as different tires, but we'll get a more similar idea between the different cars, particularly where the Porsches stack up against each other in WeatherTech and in WEC and where the Corvettes do as well. Interesting also to note, John, that out of all these seven GTE Pro cars, two are running third drivers, both of those being the Ferraris with Daniel Serra jumping into the 71 and Sam Bird coming into the 51. I think I got that the right way around. Might might be the other way. But uh, those two manufacturers... Uh, two cars from the same manufacturer, the only cars that are running third drivers as opposed to last year when we saw a third driver thrown into one of the Aston Martins and both of the BMWs yeah. also ran third drivers. Uh, which way did you say it round? It's it's Sarah Pagidi and Collado in the 51, Bird, Molina and Regon in the 71. Perfect. Is that what you said? No, it was the opposite of what I said. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to, to pick you up uh, no, on, thank you. on that. But yes, that that's how. Now, in, in GTE Arm is going to be a, a battle royale again. Listen, we had a great P2 battle at the Circuit of the Americas. We had a great GT and GTE Arm battle as well. Ben Keating, uh, second race in America on the bounce in the Purple Peter Eater. The wins... Number 57 with Jerome Blake and Philippe Fraga. Uh, and as a complete contrast to the pro cars, uh, it's all three driver, uh, all three driver teams there. And did I read that the uh, the Dempsey Proton uh, 88 car is back as well? Uh, the 88 car. So far, the only driver I've seen listed against that one is Thomas Prining. Um, so I'm not sure who the other two car drivers in that car will be. 
Um, but as far as I can tell, there are seven drivers who will be doing both yes. the race on Friday and on Saturday. Ben Hanley, Philippe Albuquerque, Daniel Serra, Ben Keating, and Jerome Blake Mullen, as you just mentioned. Nicholas Nielsen, which is a name we'll get back to in a moment, and Matt Campbell. Um, but the other big story out of the GTE AM class is MR Racing, the Ferrari, which has been shared by Ishikawa, Beretta, and Cozzolino, will not be driven by Beretta this weekend. Ah. Instead, it's Kamla Dogar who's going to be stepping in to that seat oh wow okay i, yeah, hadn't, I no hadn't picked why. that up yeah i hadn't picked that one up if uh if i'm honest uh, that's very good uh it's going to be a tough race uh we start our coverage on wednesday which is one of the reasons we don't have a midweek motorsport next week yes i'm going to say that again no midweek motorsport next week because there simply isn't room not even with liquid soap uh, uh and a large shoehorn I mean, to get struggling it to find liquid soap now aren't you i've i've got plenty <laughs> thanks very much um I, i'm i'm using vodka instead oh sure yeah as a mouth spray it's really good <laughs> it's, it's it's terrific yeah. isn't it uh, absolutely yeah. terrific it's alcohol based i mean that's fine um it makes sense yeah absolutely um we start on wednesday the cars are actually turned turning up later on this week and there's a test this weekend for FIA WEC, they'll be scrutineering on Friday uh, at at Sebring, and in fact, quite a lot of stuff was there earlier this week when uh, when you were passing by. Yeah, there was. I stopped in on Wednesday, coming back home from Tallahassee, needed something last to week. clear out the sinuses. Yeah, last week. And uh, there were already tents that had been erected. Marion's Hospitality was in the process of being raised. Wow. The barn was going up. Um, but there were a lot of shipping containers that were sitting down in the WEC part of the paddock, completely abandoned and waiting for someone to come love on them. Now, there are official test sessions that take place at the beginning of next week, I think it's Monday, uh, Sunday and Monday that they're allowed to run. But at the end of this week, John, there's an unofficial test for the WEC over the course of two days where they're allowed to run part of the track. They don't get to run the full circuit, but they can effectively go out, shake down the cars. And it's not full days worth of testing. It is an abbreviated window of time, but still for these teams and cars who haven't seen a track surface since Circuit of the Americas, it's very valuable track time. Uh, yeah, they are on track March the 18th. Is that next Wednesday? Uh, yes, but they are out before that. Um, let me see if I can find the schedule again, because I was just looking at it. And they actually were talking about Loden's beginning on the 7th of March. So quite really? a, a few days ago now. Um, the Tuesday, let me think. Here we go. Private test day is yes. Saturday and Sunday for there the WEC. Uh, but there was on-track testing on Monday, this Monday gone by. That was from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then on Tuesday, which was yesterday, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. with a one-hour lunch break, those involved turns 3 to 14 only. So yeah. a very much shorter version of the circuit. Uh, and on Saturday, as you say, that's this Saturday, March the 14th, uh, 9 to midday, 1 till 5. And then Sunday, March the 15th. 9 till 12, 1 till 5 again. As far as our coverage uh, is concerned, uh, we'll get underway with the uh, Michelin Challenge uh, just before 9 o'clock on Wednesday next week uh, and go through a Prototype Challenge, 
Michelin Challenge, and then the first free practice for FIA is local time, just before one o'clock. Um, just after the second prototype challenge. It's a pretty packed schedule. I take it <laughs> FIA, WEC, share are in, on their back straight um, semi-permanent pits now, correct. I suppose you would call them. Yeah, correct. That's where all the containers were set up, was that vicinity of the, of the circuit. So far enough away from everybody else in the main straight that uh, there was no illumination over that portion of the track. Actually, when I flew to Atlanta, on uh moment well, that have been thursday night we flew straight over sebring and the front right. straight was nice nicely lit up you could tell the lake by the edge of the lines and you could see the track based on this little bright bulb that was out to the east but that portion of the track where the wec was that had no signs of life as of yet uh, and as far as you, you mentioned the drivers doing both philippe albuquerque's already said this week just how difficult that is going to be and you can't underestimate that there was a, a few drivers did it last year and they i mean these are fit professional athletes and race car yeah. drivers but it's often been said that even 12 hours at <laughs> sebring is worth 24 hours most other places and these guys effectively are going to be doing 20 hours of racing yeah and here's the fun thing john there's a minimum drive time in the lmp2 and gtd classes of three hours so think about that in terms of drivers like ben keating jerome bleakamol and uh ben hanley they're gonna have to not only carry their weight in the wec race where okay maybe they'll drive two two and a half three hours of the race if they're lucky but then they come into the 12 hours 12 hours after they get out of the car to begin with and they're responsible for another three-hour chunk there are going to be some sore bodies when we wake up on sunday particularly coming out of these eight guys and uh, it should be mentioned for the wec before we move on to the imsa classes that the wec race is friday uh, this year again but it starts at midday through till uh time certain eight o'clock um because we won't get i don't think we'll get the thousand miles will be short even if we go full green um but that is a, a bit of a change which helps all the officials and track workers out that does mean that the imsa classes and let's move on to those now they move Yay. earlier in the week so we've got prototype challenge and also Michelin Pilot Challenge, as well as the Big Show, which is the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And uh, prototypes and Michelin Pilot Challenge moving much further, uh, much earlier in the week than we've typically seen in previous years. Yeah, it's going to be a two-day weekend for those competitors. Uh, The Michelin Pilot Challenge race taking place Friday, no, excuse me, Thursday afternoon, that goes green at 3.50 in the afternoon. But the prototype challenge race goes green just before noon, meaning that both of those paddocks, which we're looking at 18 LMP3 cars and 44 MPC cars. Fabulous, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Um, But all of those haulers must then vacate the paddock by midnight Thursday. So. At 11.59 p.m., none of them may be left Thursday night. If they are, they're going to have an issue or they need to have special dispensation from IMSA, i.e. they're running another car in another series. Yeah. But aside from that, they're all Cinderella. Exactly. You've got to get back before the carriage turns back into a pumpkin. Um, (laughs) As far as a quick word about the prototype challenge, anything of, of note there for the LMP3 cars? 
Um, it looked pretty clean and clear and simple. There's an extra performance tech car for John DeAngelis and Brad Baker. That was one of the cars that was actually running around and giving me a bit of therapy last week when I needed to recover from being around so much family. Um, other than that, it's just 18 cars, still a nice spread of Normas and Ligiers running around Sebring. It's going to be a fairly even dogfight because you've got enough long straights that the Normas can stretch their legs, yeah, but then enough point. twisty bits that the Ligiers are going to be strong. No clue who's going to win this one. And that'll be Brian Till and Jeremy Shaw with the call on that. And we'll have that, of course, in sound and vision for you, whether you're in the States or, or further afield. Uh, the Alan J Automotive, uh, the Alan J Automotive Network 120, uh, which has a massive 44 uh, entries. Uh, let's look at TCRs. Of creditable 15 entries here. We were positing at Sebring how many we might, at Sebring, at Daytona, excuse me, <laughs> how many we might get for the full season and, and wondering how many of the cars that we'd seen. Well, the bulk of them have become, it would appear, full season entries. What have, what have you spotted in the 15 TCR entries in the Michelin Pilot Challenge entry list? Uh, we are down a couple from Daytona. Our Canadian team, Tooth, that made such a splash at Daytona, they are not back. Uh, we've had a couple driver lineup swaps. Uh, Fast MD, with their second car, finished second at Daytona, but neither of those drivers is back. It's Tyler O'Connor and Mike McCarthy. Good. I have to admit, I don't know either of those names. Uh, they'll be driving the number 32 Audi. We've By the time ben we get there next week, you'll know everything about them. I'll, I'll know, know everything and more. Yeah. Um, ben Waddell has jumped cars. He's still with 47 Motorsports in their Hyundai Veloster. But instead of sharing with AJ Musk, that's now Wyatt Schwab stepping into that car. And Ben has moved into the 47 with Alex Papadopoulos. So that's a slight driver change uh, as far as the lineup goes. One Honda from Atlanta Speedworks, their second car mm. will not be running. Um, and other than that, the only big change that I saw was for Hart. It's not Cameron Lawrence. In that Honda, it's going to be Chad Gilsinger and Steve Ike sharing that car once again. So as far as I had understood it, Cameron was going to be the full season driver with Chad Gilsinger. But I guess Steve has decided he wants to run Sebring too. And hey, he's the guy who actually builds the car. So I yeah. think he gets a say in it. Uh, and, and a quick note about Hondas, by the way. If you race in the virtual world, I did notice uh, a tweet from uh, our good friend uh, Andy Blackmore that all of his liveries that are on Hondas are now available um, through some very clever painting, livery building for Forza Motorsport. So oh, that's cool. So they are all available as, as downloads, apparently. I, I have no idea how that all works, but it does. Uh, a massive 29 cars in GT4, in the GS <laughs> entry. Uh, and I mean, where do you start um, Sheena Monk with Corey Lewis for Motorsport in action, right at the that's, top of the number three car. To be honest, John, that's exactly where I wanted to start mm. because that is a return of a team that's very much become a fan favorite. Second in the championship last year for Mia, they missed Daytona. We saw Eric walking around, looking through the paddock, trying to say hi to everybody he could. And it seems that they have found a pairing that they're very comfortable with. Sheena and Corey, they ran at Daytona with a different team, I think they're going to find a really good home with Mia, and that's a very strong organization to get behind them. 
In terms of other big changes on the entry list, Multimatic back with two cars. Mm -hmm. We've got Scott Maxwell and Marco Signoretti again. Very happy to see Scott Maxwell back after that scary crash at the end of the race at Daytona. And Seb Prio has been confirmed for a full season in this series. As long as Multimatic is running, he'll be one of the drivers. He's going to be sharing with Haley Deegan, who made her debut at Daytona as well. She was alongside Chase Briscoe. But since this is a weekend that is in the middle of a NASCAR season, it doesn't mean that every weekend we get those drivers available. So Austin Sendrick and Chase Briscoe, both busy. I think they'll be in Atlanta maybe next weekend uh, for the Xfinity Series. So it's going to be Seb and Haley sharing the car other than but that, Seb is, have... but Seb is the constant there. He's got the Correct. full season drive there, and I, I've got to say that being a chip off the old block as he is, uh, and the way he announced himself at the end of last season uh, at Petit Le Mans, you've got to say he's got to be in with a shout of the championship. For sure, just as long as they run every race. This is Multimatic. When they show up to the championship, they are contenders. Think back to 2016 with Billy Johnson and Scott Maxwell. The question is, are they going to run a full season or is it an every single time the car is running, Seb is in the car sort of a deal? Got you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Russell, Russell Ward and Indy Donchi are back for Winwood Racing. Uh, in fact, both of their cars, I've said that now, and I, I didn't look to see if Bryce... They are there. Yes, Bryce Ward. But he's with Phil Ellis. Yes. Um, th- this is interesting. Uh, Philip Ellis, the man with a very English name, um, with the German address. Uh, and by the way, a little, as we're plugging uh, ahead and trailing ahead for Shores. Uh, we've got an inside story from HTP Winward in Germany uh, that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. That will be playing out on RS2 IMSA Radio next week during that Sebring uh, run when we're uh, in between sessions. There's not a lot of time we can squeeze it in, uh, but keep an eye on the schedule on radio-show.co.uk. So Phil Ellis drafted in there. That's an interesting one. He came into the team at Daytona where they had their second place finish. Bryce finished second and Russell finished third. So that means that they are second and third in points respectively for the 57 and the four. So it's really good to see that his impact has been a positive one so far on the team. That being said, uh, Christian Honotel, who was the full-time driver last year, he was still in the paddock at Daytona. He's still hanging around. He is still a part of that team, even if he's he's not driving. He's now, Christian is now running the HTP Winwood operation uh, in Germany, in Altendietz, um in Germany. So it may be that he's got other things uh, going on and doesn't necessarily feel the need to drive all the time. Hear all about how that's going to work uh, in that inside story, which comes up next week. Uh, I'm just skimming down. Uh, There's that... two more cars worth mentioning right? um, in terms of just standing out strictly from a different perspective. Carbon Motorsports, the championship-winning team from last year, they are running a second Audi GT4. They did this on several occasions last year. Samir Gandhi, who is one ah, of yes. the owners of that team, is listed right now to be sharing with Tyler McQuarrie, which means that Tyler would be doing double duty. And speaking of double duty, for Robbie Foley and Turner Motorsports, they have two BMW M4 GT4s entered. Robbie is in one of them with Bill Oberlin and the other with Vin Barletta. That's just greedy. That really is. is, Listen, I I can take my license for either of those. Anybody wants me to jump in? GT4. Can you also take your checkbook? Uh, Well, (laughs) I'll tell you what. We'll put you in touch with Steve Dynan and Will Turner, and we'll let them bid over you. Yeah, that's that sounds like they would get the crotch belt 
Um, <laughs> he can put a word. The crotch bell can put a word in for me at Turner, for sure. Um, Rob Eklund Jr., uh, Roman Abdul-Valhabi in the automatic racing. Two cars for automatic again. And that's both... Are they both the new cars now? Yes, they are, aren't they? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, the 99 is a full-season entry for Gary Ferreira and Chris Wilson. They ran a handful of races last year, but it was announced before the season began that they're going to be at every round this year. And then Rob Eklund, the team owner, jumping in with Raman, who, again, fairly local driver. He's done quite a few races at Sebring now. That's not the car I'm expecting to win, in all honesty, but those are two of the guys who are going to come out of this weekend having enjoyed it the most. Uh, the big show is Saturday. It's the Mobile Yay. One 12 Hours of Sebring uh, with a respectable 37 uh, entries. A lot of people had uh, raised eyebrows about the entry list at uh, Daytona, but 37, what are likely to be full season entries then uh, through to Road Atlanta. Um and that's pretty good. Uh, however, a couple of points on the rules uh, before we move on. There was something that really irritated me during the qualifying at Daytona, and that was that cars could go straight out to the fast lane. They didn't need to stop in their pit boxes. That has been rectified. The, the thinking behind that was before the season began, race control decided that they wanted to put something in place to make it uniform for all the series as they go through qualifying. Unfortunately, the message was relayed that they should all go straight to the fast lane or have the option to go to the fast lane instead of all cars in all IMSA series going to their pit box before qualifying begins. Okay. The reason this is important is because cars doing better in the championship have better pit boxes. Therefore, you can get out on track sooner in a qualifying session and get a better chance at a clear lap. Well, and you've earned SSR... that by your championship position. Correct. There was uh, a bulletin issued last week that has now rectified that. Cars must not line up at the pit exit and must go only to their pit boxes at the start of a qualifying session or for any session stoppage until the green flag is displayed again. So now, everybody, you got to go to your pit boxes, yeah. and I'm really happy that IMSA did that. And, and in the, fact, that's been a rule. The rule for uh, doing that after a stoppage for a red flag, that's caught people out before. It has. Think back to Belle Isle a few years ago when both of the Mazdas fell afoul of that and lost a chance at getting a pole position when they had been the fastest cars. So it is something that's very relevant, and that's something that could come into play if people haven't seen that bulletin. That could wind up biting them. The other thing that I really wanted to point out is that the minimum number of drivers for Sebring is two if you are in DPI and GTLM. The maximum number permitted is three. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we have a car in GTLM with two drivers. So, so hang on, say that again. The, min, the maximum number of drivers that you can have if you're running in GTLM or DPI is three. On the entry list, you see every single car with three drivers. Yep. There is one car that has two drivers running in GTLM. That is Risi Competizioni. Right. They are allowed to do that. Okay. You may run the 12 hours of Sebring with two drivers wow. if you are entered in the pro classes. Wow. Well, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, and, and, uh, and that means you've got... Does that mean that you've got to be a bit careful with... Is there a rest? There's not a rest period, but there is uh, maximum drive time. Correct. There is not a rest period. There is a rule that you may drive no more than seven hours total of the race and no more than four hours in any six hour period. Now, here's the other spicy part of this, John. 
The two drivers involved are Farisi Competizioni. They are Daniel Serra, who is also driving in the WEC race in the AF course number 71, uh, 51 Ferrari. See, I did it again. And Nicholas Nielsen, who's driving in one of the GTE oh, AM Ferraris. Those guys are going to be positively whipped. Well, see, that's just crazy as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll get my head around a GTE. It's... All right, I'll, I'll throw your name in with Rick Mayer, too. Okay. That, it, Rick knows me. Uh, let's talk about the... We're going to have to keep an eye on that. That's even more stuff I'm going to have to do on the computer. Uh, let's talk. Let's start with GTD in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, a healthy-looking 17 uh, entries uh, for that. What have, you, what have you seen? There's only one car out of all those 17 where all three of the drivers have won the race before. That's the Paul Miller Racing Championship leading Lamborghini. But additional cars to this category, the WRT Speedstar Audi, that's got Mirko Bordelotti, Rolf Eichen, and Daniel Morad sharing that car. They were third at Daytona. All three drivers have been very strong at Sebring in the past. They're looking to be good once again. Uh, another one in terms of the one-offs, which it feels weird to say one-off, but Black Swan Racing is not a full-season entrant. Tim Pappas and Jerome Bleakmullen once again, and those two who teamed up to win the GTC Championship back in 2011, they're joined by Larry Tenvorda, a guy who drove with Bleak Mullen and Keating in two rounds of the World Endurance Championship, but he is making his debut in IMSA this weekend. Also got PPM back with their Lamborghini. They are the only TBD on the entire entry list. More on that in a minute because we do have another driver position open, but Brandon Ganovic and Mark Fame listed against that car. The Aston Martin is back. Roman DeAngelis sharing with Ian James and Alex Riberas, the car that was the last place finisher at Daytona. They were out running around Sebring last week trying to shake down the car, learn the car, and find a good setup for Sebring. It should be a long one for them. Uh, Rahel Frey joins back with Gear Racing, even though Tati Calderon is listed on the entry list. Rahel was with the other two ladies, uh, Christina Nielsen and Kat Legg, about a month ago when they were testing at Sebring. So she will be sharing that car. And we've got the lone grasser in the field, the uh, endurance only. They're doing the Michelin Endurance Cup for Richard Highstand, Stein Schothorst, and Frank Pereira. So those are the interlopers to the regular championship hunt people. Well, well, uh, grasser have got the GRT Magnus car as well, of course. Yeah, and they run gear. So they are a uh, three-car yes. organization. Yes, but the 11 point. is only doing uh, Daytona, Sebring, Watkins, and Petit. Yes, yes, I see what you mean. Um, Faf Motorsport looking pretty uh, strong again with Dennis Olsen, Zach Ro- Robichon and Lars Kern. So effectively two Porsche uh, drivers there. Um, GT Le Mans, seven entries. Uh, you mentioned Reese back with Nicholas Nielsen and Daniel Serra. My goodness, they're going to be sore and tired. Yeah. Uh, the 911 and 912 once again have their regular endurance drivers plugged in to them, so that's uh, Matthew Jaminet in the 9-12 to join Earl Bamba and Lawrence Vanter paired up for the season, uh, and Matty Campbell, uh, Matt Campbell, who's still only listed as a gold, isn't he? Yeah, and he's doing double duty. He's right. in uh, WEC as well. Yes, that's true. Uh, with Nick Tandy and Fred Makovecki, uh, Conor de Filippi, Bruno Spengler, Colton Herter, BMW 25, 24 John Edwards, Chaz Mostert, and Jesse Cron. So a battle of the Aussies there as well to keep. Yeah, how about how about Chassis coming back? Mm. I did not expect to see that on the entry list. In all honesty, I thought it was going to be Augusto Farfus once again. But Chaz Mostert 
making his Sebring debut. So this means he'll have run Daytona, Sebring, and Petit Le Mans, the only races he's ever done in the U.S. That's not a bad trio. Um, and, of course, the two Corvettes as well, with uh, Nicky Katzberg joining Jordan Taylor and Antonio Garcia, and it's Marcel Fesler in with Tommy Milner and Ollie Gavin. So none of the Corvette drivers doing double duty Um but I think some of the team members will be, so that is the yes. endurance uh, for them. That's typically what we saw last year with uh, elements of the three and the four car getting together to to run the WEC car. And I think from what I've heard from Dan Binks and the team, that's going to happen again this year, uh, Shea? Correct. It will be a joint effort, so you're not going to have either the three or the four crews completely tired out from working on two different or three different race cars, excuse me. It's going to be bits and pieces from here and there. And uh, it's good preparation for Le Mans for the crew, as well as the drivers in the cars. Five LMP2s. Yes. Um, however, David Enemar Hansen uh, electing not to come down for the Tower Motorsports by, uh, by Starworks. Uh, he has some concerns over coronavirus uh, and has decided not to join John Ferrano and Ryan DL. Does that put that entry in jeopardy? It means that they are looking for a silver driver, John. Um, so uh, you're not applicable for that because you're bronze and they already have a bronze with John Ferrano, the Canadian. So you can run two bronze, Cameron Castles and Don Yount are two no, no, bronze. No, you, you can, but this is a team that they're looking for a super silver. I mean, David Hennemeyer Hansen is a very established driver. He's somebody who definitely fits the mold of being closer to a gold than a bronze, by my opinion. Um, but David, in his yes, talent. In his talent. In his talent. But yes. he's absolutely the ep- epitome of, of a silver in terms of his background. Correct. Yes. He is a Le Mans winner. He's a world endurance champion. He's won tons of races. So in, in terms of his capabilities of winning races, I put him up there among some of the, the top end of the silver drivers, for sure. Um, so that does mean that if you are a silver, and particularly if you're a quick silver, maybe running in the IPC race, in the IMSA Prototype Challenge, you might have an opportunity for a, a go in an LMP2 car. But yeah, five cars, all Oricas, it's going to be an interesting race. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's move on to the top class uh, with eight entries for DPI. Any major surprises there i'm just uh, alexander uh, rossi yes. for penske again no the the only big surprise in terms of this class that was unexpected is tristan vodier is going to be the third driver in yeah. the jdc miller motorsports car meaning that chris miller has stepped aside because he was supposed to be doing that that's sort of his uh, benefit to running the team is that he gets to step in for the races he really enjoys but tristan given an opportunity and uh, it's really good to see i was worried about what he was going to be doing this year and we will see battle resumed uh, with that on Wednesday. Uh, actually, no, on Thursday they come on track, I think. Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Thursday at 8.50 in the morning or something like that. And that's all on RS2, IMSA Radio, the WEC coverage with Johnny Palmer heading up that as the voice of the WEC, of course. Longest serving WEC commentator uh, by quite some time, uh, now, by quite some time. Uh, distance now in tv and radio jp uh, and he will be uh, he will be leading on rs1 so you might have to do a little bit of channel swapping just time for a couple of extra things before we let share disappear i'm not going to ask you who, who's going to win share <laughs> actually would be it's, it's going to be hot though isn't it that is one thing it is going to be hot 
Yay! No, that's okay Sorry, for you. Well, that's not okay for the poor so-and-sos who've got to do both races. It, it's not okay for Daniel Sarah and Nicholas Nielsen, that's for sure. <laughs> um, no, we're expecting temperatures in the low 90s for next week, so it's going to be nice and warm and spicy. Toasty. But the best thing I can say... That's the low 30s yeah, the best for thing uh, anyone say, outside of North America. Right, Tim, what have you got? There is no to... rain in the forecast. No rain in the forecast, <laughs> absolutely. What uh, have you got to... Quick IndyCar story. Right, uh, fire away. Colton yep. Herter's transporter caught fire Ooh. on the way to St. Petersburg. Fortunately, the car's okay. Cosmetic damage to the car. Uh, they will need a new transporter, though. And th- what they will yeah. need is some new toolboxes. Apparently, the toolboxes took the brunt of it. I saw some mm. video of it. It looked very nasty. Uh, Another thing you might have seen video of. Nobody yes. was hurt. That's the main thing. Uh, Citrus County Speedway. That's not far from you, is it, Shay? Citrus County Speedway. I've never heard of that. It's in Citrus in County Max? in Florida. Yeah, uh, I've never heard of Citrus County. <laughs> Excellent. They're all Citrus Counties. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They uh, they got a brand new pace car, a Ford Mustang, supplied oh! by uh, uh, local Ford dealership Crystal Ford. And on Saturday night, a mini stock uh, rolled over the top of it. it no. It, oh, it was. If you have, it's magnificent. It was launched off a, a, a um, an area that was supposed to be protecting a light pole, I think, <laughs> and it literally somersaulted onto the top of the brand new pace car. Oh, oh! It's uh, northwest of Orlando. It's up north of Tampa, Citrus County Speedway. It is. Uh, it was very, oh. very good. It, it, nobody, again, we can laugh at it and we'll talk about it because nobody got hurt. Um, but if, if track that down on your favourite uh, video aggregator site. And finally, Tim. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Come on, man. NASCAR yes. and Blue Emu. <laughs> have Blue Emu! Have announced a multi-year agreement designating the company as an official partner of Martinsville Speedway. As part of the agreement, Blue Emu <laughs> will serve it, as the yeah. entitlement sponsor of NASCAR Cup Series spring events at Martinsville Speedway with the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 debuting under lights on Saturday, May 9th. That is a fantastic... That is second only to uh, the brilliant pork, the other white, white, white meat, meat 200, yeah. or whatever uh, it was. Blue Emu's integrated NASCAR approach will take centre stage at Martinsville Speedway under the lights, said Frank Kelleher, Senior Vice President and Chief Sales Officer of NASCAR. Combining the massive reach of NASCAR with fan sponsor loyalty provides partners an attractive platform to grow their brands. Not not living in the US yet, do I take it Blue Emu is some kind of, uh, of pain medication? We'll come on to that shortly. I've oh, okay. never heard of Blue Emu, um, <laughs> but I'm home March 9th, or May 9th if you'd like me to go to Martinsville and investigate. <laughs> in addition to the Martinsville Speedway race entitlement, Blue Emu will actively engage fans at NASCAR tracks across the country by providing product sampling opportunities. Um, arthritis pain relief cream. Yeah, Ooh. don't don't preempt anything. The okay. NASCAR fan, uh. fan base has been a strong and loyal customer of Blue Emu, and we believe they help us to grow as a national brand, said Susan Gregory, CEO of Blue Emu. The highly anticipated Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 at Martin Speedway, debuting under the lights, will highlight our track Again. partnership and provide a new opportunity to showcase our products and engage with consumers. The Blue Emu product line is the number one selling emu oil brand in the United States. Emu oil? Yes. How'd you get oil from... I, I don't know. Let's not even go there. 
As part of the NASCAR <laughs> agreement, Blue Emu's Maximum Pain Relief Cream is the official pain relief cream of NASCAR, and Blue Emu's Continuous Spray is the official pain relief spray of NASCAR, and Blue Emu's Patch is the official pain patch of NASCAR. I love the idea that they're going to do sampling um, opportunities. If so, you're in pain at a NASCAR track, yeah, this could but, be really beneficial for you. But, you but ha- if you're not, if you're does a, somebody it, kick you in the knee before you... G- yes. If you're a NASCAR driver and you're involved in a big shunt, you're going to go to the infield medical centre, they're going to spray you with some blue emu oil, they're going to put a patch on you and then send you out again. I, just I really hope there's nothing in that that's on the banned substance list or else this could get really <laughs> ugly really uh, Blue emu products are made with real emu oil. What is apart from pretend emu oil? And lidocaine. Synthetic emu. And lidocaine. Lidocaine. Uh, yeah. Oh. Lidocaine. Oh, they also announced a partnership with the Major League Baseball organization, they do, so this yes. really could get fun. They're the official pain relief uh, products of seven different Major League Baseball teams. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I don't think that's a pointless press release of the week, but I do think it's one of the funniest ones we've ever had. Thank you, Tim. It's all the um, medical-related NASCAR ones. Do you remember that one that had that long uh, list of side effects and contraindications? Yes. Yes. Yeah, very good. I want to go back and listen to that someday. Debuting underneath the lights, obviously. As as we have been tonight. (laughs) As we have been tonight, yes. Otherwise, I would have been able to see uh, two... Uh, press the buttons here thanks to Sheer Adam and to all of uh, our contributors uh, this evening uh, particularly to Ben Consiguris to yourselves who have been tweeting like mad uh, this evening Uh, very quickly uh, news release just coming in from IMSA as we speak no changes to the published schedule at Sebring. That's literally just been confirmed uh, from uh, e- from Eve uh, via uh, IMSA. Or the other way around. Yeah, probably. Almost certainly. Uh, next week, no show. No show next week. Let me flag ahead. Tomorrow night, just on 8 o'clock, it's the in- IndyCar preview, then a new episode of On the Grid with Richard, with Richard Creel and the rest of the team. Then it's the Formula 1 uh, preview next week we're, from Wednesday onwards we'll be doing uh, IMSA and WEC and stay tuned right now right now because straight after this show and a quick promo it's inside Bentley Motorsport with a start that you'll want to hear there's no time to explain the llama is exploring llama pain relief oil This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.